crime in me. I've diagnosed some people. I think it's been pretty accurate. Definitely done my fair share of psychiatry work. I've prescribed a few pills, you know. Crime in me. We are in no way responsible for the things that come out of our mouths. We are not experts, although we may claim to be, so don't take anything that we say too literally. We are not laughing at the crimes, we are laughing at each, each other! other. <laughs> Welcome to another episode of Criminy. We're your hosts, Matt and Ange. And we're going to tell you more fucked up shit. Yeah, this... Uh... <laughs> If this week hasn't been enough of a shit show, we're gonna <laughs> we're just gonna make distract it even more of a shit you. Show. We'll just distract you with other shit that happened like more in the past than recent shit. Yeah, pastor than recent. <laughs> pastor than recenter. <laughs> we're scientists, and yes, uh, let's get distracted together. Let's get to it. <laughs> I got my information from the Daily Mail. Uh, UK, uh, Murderpedia, Manchester Evening News. The Daily News. Mail always does like write-ups of everything. They do. They're like on it. On it. Manchester Evening News and Manchester's Finest. Oh, is it UK then? It is. In fact, oh. Manchester. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it's not funny though. I never would have really, guessed. really... Oh, God, mine sucks, too. <laughs> oh, okay, we didn't sign up for, like, let's tell each other really hilarious stories that don't involve brutal murder. Only at the end, though. Only we at, do the it end. at the end. Ah, yes. Stay tuned. Stay tuned for some funny <laughs> fucked up shit. <laughs> or just fast forward all the way to the end if you need yeah. it. Yeah. Uh, yep. Mood booster? Um, mood. Uh, mood. If you want to maybe laugh. Maybe. Maybe. Well, I'm going to tell you the tragic, horrible, fucked up story. <laughs> um, the murder of Kellyanne Bates. Ready? Okay. okay. Yeah. Here we go. Okay. Are you going to cheer for us? Yeah. Now? No, it's sad. Okay. You got spirit. <laughs> yes, we do. Oh, we got God. spirit. How about you? Remember when you were a cheerleader and your cheerleading skirt fit on my thigh? <laughs> Look, I was only a cheerleader because everyone else was a cheerleader in eighth grade. Well, not everyone, but most people were cheerleaders in eighth grade. Plus, you got out of class and stuff to practice. <laughs> and I never had to go to after school practice because I did something else. So well, really, it was like a win-win for me. <laughs> <laughs> well, shake those pom-poms. But not at this because this is okay. horrible. Okay. Anyway, on April 16th, 1996... <laughs> A man rushed into the Manchester police station in Gorton and calmly told authorities that he had accidentally killed his wife, Kelly oh. Ann Bates. He said that he had tried to resuscitate her, but it didn't work. He explained that they had gotten into an argument while she was in the bathtub and she saw... Wait, he's telling this to... The police. Oh, okay. Yeah. He's... He goes to the pub... Police station. Reports that they call the police. Oh, sorry. I'm like not with it already. Maybe Good. you're at the Good. pub. I'm not tracking. <laughs> Come join us at the police station, Angela. Get out of the pub. Okay. I'm sorry. Jeez. I'm, sorry. I'm having Who a Who am I talking to? <laughs> the hell is happening? 
Okay, he runs to the police station, and which I'm guessing like, is close to his house. And he's, and like, he's like, hey, go, I, I just killed my way. I, uh, I'm not going to use my house phone and call an ambulance or anything. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. No. Yeah. No. He's like, yep, uh, we got into an argument while she was in the bathtub. And somehow, someway, she inhaled water. No. And I think she drowned that way. And then, okay, and- wait. He's saying he accidentally killed her yeah. because she inhaled water. Because they were arguing and, you know, he didn't no. really explain, but somehow yeah. the argument caused her to inhale water. <laughs> uh, okay. And then he said that he thought that she was playing around because she would often pretend to be unconscious to scare him. That's fun. <laughs> also, a, like, okay, if I'm in the bath... Mm-hmm. I'm not trying to have an argument. Like, stay out of the bathroom <laughs> while I'm, like, bathing. Because that's a peaceful, restful place where you don't want to have, like, an argument. Hmm. It's like they were arguing and she's, like, drawing a bath. <laughs> and then she gets in. They're still, like, fighting. Like, what? Well, yeah, that's no. that's the conclusion you can draw with what he's said. I don't think there's much of a conclusion because <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. <laughs> but, okay. That's what he's trying to make them conclude. Well, and also the thing that bothers me is him being like, I murdered her, uh-huh. but the story he's giving is like clearly him not Trying to like her. deflect the blame, but being like, oh, so well, I was like, there, so I'm like responsible, but. Right. He's like accepting the blame, but then also like, I'm such a good person because I'm blaming myself for having an argument with her, <laughs> but really like she did it to herself, but I was part of it. I don't know. I don't like it. I don't like it. Well, you're not going to like any of this <laughs> at all. Okay. No no sentence out of my mouth on this thing is, are you going to enjoy. So Okay, cool. Yeah. Let's go. <laughs> he then said, I've killed her. I know I have. I know I'm going away and I know there's no point. I'm going to get found out anyway. And the police were like, okay. what? let's go to the house and check this out. <laughs> yeah. When they got there, they found a horrible scene. Uh, more than just someone choked on water in the bathtub. Oh, yeah. Oh. There was dried blood in almost every room. Oh, God. Yeah. Hmm. How did that happen? Weird. This didn't look like an accidental drowning at all. Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Police went into the bedroom and they found Kellyanne's naked body on the bed. And what they saw gave many officers PTSD. Oh, God. This poor woman looked like she had been tortured for a prolonged period of time weeks before her death. Oh, my God. Ready for more? No, I'm not. (laughs) The damage to her body included 150 separate injuries. Fuck. She had been tied to a radiator at one point by her hair. <gasps> Let that sink in. Fucking- I'm going to cut my hair immediately. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, your hair is already oh in God. ropes. Yeah, you could just tie it really mm-hmm, easily. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. All right. Uh, William Lawler, the home office pathologist who... I don't know why they call a home office pathologist. Yeah, it sounds was, like he's working He's doing home. the work at home? That's questionable. I don't know. I think that it's like the police. I don't know. Whatever. Yeah. Anyway, he examined her body and he said, 
In my career, I have uh-huh. examined almost 600 victims of homicide. But I Holy ha- shit. But I have never come across injuries so extensive. Mm-hmm. The following injuries were found on Kellyanne Bates' body. Oh, God. Scalding to her buttocks and left leg. Burns to her thigh caused by a hot iron. Mm-hmm. A fractured arm. Multiple stab wounds caused by knives, forks, and scissors. Stab wounds inside her mouth. No. Crush injuries to both hands. Mutilation of her ears, nose, eyebrows, mouth, lips, and genitalia. Are these all fresh? No. Okay. Um, Those were caused by a spade or shovel and pruning shears. No. Both of her eyes were gouged out. Okay, she just choked on some water and <laughs> yeah. happens to not have eyes. Like they're not gonna see her body when they go check. What a fucking idiot! Oh god, not the eyes. And there were even stab wounds inside the eye sockets that indicated <gasps> that she had lost her no. eyes at one point, no. and then later on, no. She was stabbed in her eye sockets. Stop it. No. And partial scalping. Why do you do this? <laughs> this is horrible. I'm going to have nightmares now. It, yeah. Yeah. It was fucking hard to. Uh, uh, well, I'm not going to complain about how hard horrible. it was for me to write this down. Right. Okay. No, okay. Yeah. Other yeah, people have I had it much say, worse. But, but yes, fuck. it was hard trying to eat dinner while typing. This is. This is horrific. Yep. The the pathologist determined that her eyes were removed no less than five days and not more than Mm. three weeks before her death. So she was alive possibly for weeks with her eyes gone. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. She had also been starved for a while and had lost 20 kilograms or three stone or 44 pounds. Wow. She had also not received water for several days before her death. So a stone is 15 pounds? I suppose if you're doing math, I cannot do the math. Do they have to do like fractions of a stone? A pebble. Is there a pebble? (laughs) (laughs) Three stones and a pebble. I never understood that when they're like, oh, I need to lose like three stones or whatever. I was like, that doesn't sound that much like that much weight. Yeah, you know, I'm actually going to start weighing myself in stones because it sounds a lot better. I weigh two stones. <laughs> Ooh, that's tiny, girl. <laughs> that is tiny. That's way too small. Toby weighs less than a stone. Oh, yeah. He's like a few well, pebbles. The way that my, the way that mom's been feeding him snacks, she's gonna get mad because she's like, I don't give him treats, but then she gives him treats. She she can't help it. She says that you know you deprive him of snacks, and she feels guilty. Uh-huh. Well, she feels bad because he always asks for treats yeah. and then she can't say no because that's heartbreaking, it apparently. Is. It's hard when you're a grandma of pets. Yeah. Okay, so. Uh, Sorry, I just needed like a moment yeah. away from this yeah. story. This is horrible. Um, immediately, the man whose name is James Patterson Smith was arrested for Kellyanne Bates' murder. Yeah. Yeah. So let's take a little step back and kind of talk about these two people. Okay. Okay. Kel- well, this woman and this monster. Mm-hmm. K- 
Kellyanne Bates was a normal child growing up. She was born on May 18th, 1978 to Margaret and Tommy Bates in Hattersley, Greater Manchester. Cute. Her parents said that she was a sporty, social tomboy who gave as good as she got with her two brothers. She also adored children and often babysat for neighbors. Her mother said, Kelly loved children and wanted to be a teacher. She was soft-hearted and very maternal. Around the age of 14, Kellyanne started being a little bit sneaky. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, at one point when she was 15, she stayed out one night and didn't come home. And her parents were very concerned, so they contacted the police but the police were like, well, she's probably, uh, you know, just a runaway. a runaway or like out and about. Don't worry. Luckily, the next day she did return home and she told her parents that she had been staying at her friend Rachel's house and they were working on a project and she just like forgot to call or whatever, which is unlike her. But okay. they were like, OK, she's a teen. You know, at least she came home. Yeah. We're not, you know, whatever. She was happy that her daughter was home. So sure. she didn't really push much. Because she said that Kelly was a good girl, as well as babysitting, she had a job on a market stall at weekends. She played hockey, and she was clever at school. She was hardworking and sensible. So she was like, "Well, I, you know, you make mistakes, yeah. but I, you know, your judgment is good. You're a good kid." Yeah, I'm not gonna like cause a rift because I'm gonna like question, right. interrogate you about where you were exactly. or whatever. Yeah. One day, Kellyanne came home with a black eye. Oh, no. But she told her parents that she had gotten into a fight with a gang of girls in the street. You know, those roving I mean, gangs girls, of girls. Girls are mean. At that age? Hell yeah. Yeah, could happen. Mm-hmm. And they do kind of, you know, cluster into gangs, so. Yeah. <laughs> Nothing scarier than a gang of high school girls. Teenage girls. <laughs> I mean, they will, like, rip you down just by talking to you. <laughs> oh god they're so they cut right to the right, core yep they know what you're they like zero in about. on your insecurities <laughs> yeah. and then they just like throw them in your face uh-huh. so skilled put a little salt in that wound yeah some lemon juice at one point kellyanne told her parents that she had been seeing a boy that she said was named david or dave sometimes when kellyanne would stay out late or wouldn't come home at night Dave would call the house and talk to Margaret, the mother, and let her know that Mm -hmm. she was safe. And Margaret said that she kind of, she she was worried, but she was, she thought like, okay, at least, you know, he's calling home and letting me know. He's respectable. Right. Like he's letting me know. Why wouldn't she call home? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. She said she was pretty comfortable until the day that she met Dave. Who I was just going to ask, did she meet him? Who was actually James Patterson Smith. Uh, Margaret you know, assumed that this guy was a high school student. Like 14 or 15. Yeah. She said that... No, I don't want to (laughs) know. What? How old is he? (laughs) God. She said that the day that she met James, Kelly brought him home when I was out. As I walked in, he swaggered down the stairs and it made the hairs stand (gasps) stand up on the back of my neck. Mm. He was much Mm -mm. older than I expected. And looked a bit like John Denver, but he was swarmy. He, Ew. he said, nice to meet you at last. And all <gasps> I could think of was how I wanted to get rid of him. This wasn't the man I wanted for my daughter. 
I vividly recall seeing a bread knife on the First kitchen. First of all, you don't want a man for your daughter. You want like a boy because she's just a little girl. Uh-huh. Ugh. Yeah. Are you going to tell us how old he is? Yeah. Okay. She said, I vividly recall seeing a bread knife in the kitchen and wanting to pick it up and stab him in the back. She should have. I've thought about that it. many times. Yeah, this oh, poor no. woman. I know. What a nightmare. Yeah. James Patterson Smith was 30 years older <gasps> than Kelly. What? So like 44? Yep. What the fuck? Yep. What? Yep. But you see, at this time, uh, when Kelly finally introduced, when Kelly Ann finally introduced her parents to him, she was 16, which is the age of consent. And so. Okay, but not for a 46 year old. I mean, it's. Shouldn't be, but uh, she because uh, Margaret she you see, started seeing him when she was 14, but they don't know they, they met him two years later. They didn't know that she was seeing him when she was because she right. was kind of keeping him a secret, obviously, and right letting them believe she was dating a high school boy, right? So for two years, yep. he's been able to like groom her yep. and brainwash her. Yep. And oh my god, Margaret called the police and social services, yes. but because Kellyanne was 16, they said they couldn't help her. Yeah, she could legally consent I mean, I to dating like, whoever she wanted. Prove that they were uh-huh. together when she was younger. Oh. oh my god, what a nightmare! And I mean, obviously, it wasn't dating; it was grooming. Uh, yeah, gross. Margaret said, "I didn't know what to do. She was very strong-minded, and she wouldn't listen to me. And I was worried that if I fell out with her, it would just push them closer together." Yeah. Which is like, yeah, that's like a very tricky situation where you're like, you know, if you're like, you're forbidden from seeing him, then she's just going to be like, okay, fuck you. Goodbye. Yeah. With, yeah, you just have to be supportive and hope that they hope that someday they ask for help and get out. You know, you just have to wait and hope that they see what's happening and have the ability to like leave. Yeah. Oh, God, that's awful. She's so young. I know. Not that it's ever okay, but like she's just watching her young daughter deteriorate and this dude is like gross. And these poor parents, like they hadn't really spoken out since all this happened in 1996 until like a few years ago when they, um, the mother was in inter- or they were both interviewed on a, a British show called like Britain's Taboos or something. Um, mm-hmm. So that's where like, I mean, I didn't get to watch it because I, I didn't want to pay for it. Yeah. No, I get it. <laughs> but there was like an article where they quoted, they got a lot of quotes from her based on that, I believe. Mm-hmm. Kellyanne was just 14 when she met James when, while she was babysitting for some neighbors. James was friends with the neighbors and happened to be over at their house. That night, he offered to walk her home to keep her safe. And okay, the this guy cro- is like old enough to be her father. Yep. Ugh. Ooh. Ew. And thus the grooming process began. Horrible. I mean, I'm sure that he made sure that she would be really secretive about it. Of course. Like, oh, they'll, they How won't understand like our the, love. Ugh. I just don't. That's just. Ugh. Margaret's. The chance that she would be babysitting uh-huh. for that family. And this horrible. sick fuck just is like, oh, great. I'll take that. Yeah. Horrible. Margaret said she tried desperately to talk sense to her daughter, telling Kellyanne, you know, you can do better than that. And Kellyanne said that she liked him and that he was nice. Mm -mm. At one point, they 
ended up breaking up because they had some kind of argument and Margaret was like, sweet. I'll, you know, I mean, I'm sure she didn't say sweet because I don't think that they say that in <laughs> the UK, but she's like, she's like sick. sick. <laughs> Fuck yeah. No. That's the bomb. Man. <laughs> she was like, you know, excited about it. But then, of course, she's yeah. been groomed for so long. James. Yeah. He was kind of stalking her and then he was eventually able to manipulate her to go back to him. Well, plus it takes on average, I think, like eight times of trying to leave to finally yeah. leave your abuser. Yeah. Uh, and a lot of people end up killed on the eighth try. Yeah. It's fucked it's up. It's the most dangerous time. Oof. So on November 30th, 1995, at the age of 17, Kellyanne decided to move in with James in Gorton, Manchester. Her parents were reluctant, but couldn't really do anything and didn't want to push her away. So they told her that as long as she kept in touch regularly, that like they were okay with it. They're just trying to protect her, Uh give her resources, like stay in contact with us because that's the only thing that we can do is just try and make sure that you're like alive. And that you know that we're here to like, that you can come back if if you need need to leave. Mm -hmm. This is horrible. I know. I told you. I warned you. So much. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah. So she called her parents most weeks, but James was always present, obviously. Of course. Margaret was concerned and wanted to try to get Kellyanne out of there, but could never get her alone to talk. Yeah. Unfortunately, there were other things going on in the family, which kind of took a tension away from Kellyanne's situation because they're like well we can't really do anything we'll keep an eye on her you know we'll try to keep track of her but at that same time um Margaret and Tommy's youngest son was hospitalized for a few weeks it didn't say Um, for what but obviously they have to deal with that and during that time Margaret herself had to have hernia surgery oh so they had a lot on their plates Mm -hmm. Margaret said At one point, we even went round to Smith's address to try to persuade her to come home, but he was there all the time. On one visit, he showed me a hole in his floorboards where he said he'd had a gas leak. Just a few weeks weeks later, he kept Kelly prisoner in the hole while he tortured her. She said that she pleaded with Kellyanne to leave him now, but by now, Smith controlled, or um, James controlled all their contact. Oh, God. Margaret was worried. She said she registered concerns about possible abuse with Kellyanne's doctor and that she went and spoke with um, the police in the domestic violence unit who gave her some leaflets on domestic abuse. Yeah, but they can't do anything either. Yeah, and Margaret says she still has those leaflets to this day because she was never able to give them to her daughter. Oh, God. She asked the police to look out for call-outs to Smith's address. She said, I didn't know what to do. She was too old for the police to do anything, and she wouldn't listen to me. Kellyanne became increasingly withdrawn and, in December of 1995, resigned from her part-time job. Weeks before her death, Margaret and Tommy were very concerned about her because she stopped calling them. Their oldest son told them that a friend had seen Kellyanne and that she was fine. But Margaret said, we were so pleased it had never entered my head to ask when she'd been seen. It turned out to be December, like months before. Yeah. One time when Kellyanne's brother tried to see her at the house, Smith answered the door. James answered the door and said she wasn't home. 
And once a concerned neighbor asked after her, it's like, well, where, where's where's Kellyanne? And he just right. pointed up to a window, and they said that they briefly saw her through a window in the upstairs. No. The last time Margaret spoke with Kellyanne was on March 10th, 1996, to tell her off for missing a, dent- a dental appointment that Margaret had scheduled for her. So like, she's like the last conversation we had was me being like, what are, what's wrong this with you? You awful. need to get, you need to, you know, I scheduled that appointment for you. You need to go get your teeth fixed. Yeah. The next Sunday was Mother's Day, Margaret recalls. She promised she was going to come and we didn't hear from her. I got a card, but it wasn't her handwriting. Oh, God. Next weekend, the same thing happened on Tommy's birthday and our wedding anniversary. I said to him, something is wrong. But I could never have imagined what was happening. I wish we'd done more. Not a day goes by when we don't think that. But he had her in his clutches and we couldn't save her. How do these people exist? Monsters. How are you going to be so evil? Evil, evil fucking monsters. This poor... This poor girl and her poor family. Mm-hmm. Ugh. All because of this sick fuck. Yep. In the weeks before her death, Kellyanne endured unimaginable torture while her family, terrified of pushing her even further into his clutches, waited by the phone. Oh, God. It still haunts me to think if we had gone round there, she would be alive today. She, no, he wouldn't have let them in. She wouldn't have had her sight. He'd already gouged her eyes out by then, but she'd Ugh. still be alive. Kellyanne was buried the Ugh. day before her 18th birthday. Oh, my God. Yeah. Oh, my God. So fucked up. At, at Smith's trial, at, I keep, okay, at James Smith's trial... It emerged he had a history of attacking girlfriends, and his marriage ended with violence. You should have to wear a sign. Uh Uh-huh, that I'm a fucked up piece of shit if you hurt another human. Yeah, or, yeah, something. If this this is, like, a pattern, Mm -hmm. and you're not getting help for it, like, you should have to inform all, like, potential romantic partners. Hey, I beat my last (laughs) however many, like, partners, so so take that into consideration. There's this really cute Italian restaurant down the street, and also I beat all my partners. So, um, do you like Parmesan? (laughs) (laughs) How the fuck is that gonna go? Um... There should be like a registry or something. There should be. I mean, I guess you can look up people. Like you can do a background check or whatever. But, but the thing is, if they're... Who thinks to do that? But if they're reported, if they have a record, because a lot of people yeah. don't report their abuse. Well, that's true. Because that's... Ugh. I mean, then, you know, a lot of times you have to re-traumatize yourself when you report the abuse. So it's hard. Well, and you might not be believed and there are so exactly. many reasons why not to. Exactly. So. But <laughs> they should be responsible enough to be like, I am an abusive piece of shit. Uh, I don't think. An- here's my <laughs> here's my sign. That's some wishful thinking. I beat people up that I'm supposed to love. <laughs> I use glitter glue. Doesn't it look cute? <laughs> <laughs> trying to jazz it up a bit. Oh man. Fuck. I just I just I just get so frustrated with these where it's like this pattern of behavior. That other people have experienced, it's clear that this is who this person is, and they're just like allowed to just hurt more people. I don't know what the answer is, but there's got to be some. <laughs> there's got to be a better way. 
Kellyanne's father, Tommy, had to be the one to identify her body. Oh. And he said, with, with each girl, he had gone further in abuse. He was a time bomb waiting to explode. And with Kelly, he finally killed someone. Yeah. And Margaret says... Smith had a ha, Smith had tortured other women in that house. It was the kind of place you could put a person down and keep them. To think we sat drinking tea with him right there, it makes me sick. Oh. The jury at Smith's trial was offered counseling oh. to help them deal with the distress of seeing the photographs of Kellyanne Bates' injuries yeah. and the sickening violence of the case. Yeah. So... I couldn't find much information on James Patterson Smith's background other than he was an unemployed divorcee. I'm not sure what he did when he was employed. (laughs) And acquaintances described him as house proud and well-groomed. House proud? Yeah, I don't know what that means. I don't either. Mom, what does it mean? <laughs> What's house proud? <laughs> she's going to tell, you know, she's going to tell she's us like as yelling soon as she it. listens. But maybe that's a mm-hmm. British term. She might not know house proud. Eh, we'll find out. So. <laughs> and he was apparently a teetotaler. Oh. Piece of shit. Anyway, he had been divorced Isn't a in 1980. Like, a, like straight edge? Yeah, they don't right. drink or anything. So that was yeah. all, you know, sober fueled. I mean, yeah, torture. maybe he should have had something to drink. Mental I don't know. All I'm saying is like this yeah. dude, fucking piece of human trash. Yeah. So he was divorced in 1980 after 10 years of marriage in which he beat his wife the whole time. Of course. Between 1980 and 1982, he was with 20 year old Tina Watson whom he used as a punching bag, even subjecting her to severe beatings while she was pregnant with his child. Ugh. She said, At first it was now and again, just a little tap, but in the end it was every day. He would smack me in the face or hit me over the head with an ashtray. He would kick me in the legs or between the legs. Watson managed to escape from the relationship during which Smith had also attempted to drown her while she was bathing. Oh, my God. When that relationship came to an end in 82, Smith started seeing 15-year-old Wendy Mottersed, whom, obviously, he abused. In one attack, he held her underwater in the kitchen sink, trying to drown her. What the fuck? And she was able to escape. And then it was 1993 when he met Kelly Ann. James Smith tried to convince the jury that Kelly challenged him to torture her, uh, claiming that Kelly Ann Bates would, quote unquote, put me through hell, winding me up. Oh, explaining okay. how she used to. Because you're okay, like yeah, this, an old ass dude. You can't just walk yeah. away from some like tiny child from, from a, a child. child like you. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, it's all her fault. It's her fault uh-huh. that I, like, tortured the shit out of her and made her life miserable. Well, he said, that, he said that she used to mock his dead mother and emotionally bully him. 
That's like that one story that I talked about with the like Russian professor dude who was like, oh, I had to like murder her because she was like making fun uh-huh. of my children. It's like, fuck yep. off. Who Walk cares? away. You leave. Kick her out of your yeah. house. Like that's, these aren't excuses. No. Especially after his history of beating the shit out of other There's women. There's no excuse for beating someone that you're supposed to love. Well, he said that she had a bad habit of hurting herself to make him look worse. Oh, did she gouge out her own eyeballs? Uh-huh. Then uh-huh. you break when up asked- with her and you le- leave that relationship. What is shitty? Like, yeah, blame her for it. Okay, listen to this. When, when asked to explain why he had blinded, stabbed, and battered yeah. her, he said that she dared him to do it <laughs> and... And challenged him to do her harm. This little 17-year-old. Bet you can't gouge out my eyes. What the fuck? What the fuck? Who is going to believe that? Just like him going to the police station being like, oh, we got into a fight and she choked. Who the fuck is going to believe that? Like, how delusional are you? Okay, maybe at the police station you're like, okay, sure, that's believable. And then you go there and you see her actual body and you're like, under what world was she just like inhaling water? Right, at that point he took it too far and murdered her and was like, oops, I'm going to get caught for this. I might as well come up with a completely plausible story. Like, what? What the fuck? So plausible. Well, I guess her cause of death was actually drowning, (laughs) after which he beat her about the head with the shower head. Well, you know, she dared him to gouge out her eyes, so, you know... It was probably just another dare. not a big deal, and then they got into an argument after he, like, beat the shit out of her, and she choked on some water, so, you know... You know, I don't know. It's not really my fault. I hate this. She was just trying to make me look bad by fucking fucking making me gouge out her eyes. He's He's the worst. (laughs) <laughs> yeah he's a fucking I, I can't even think of like a good vile word that no would he's describe just evil there's like he's beyond disgusting. he's beyond evil he's just mm-hmm. ugh. and just to like Jillian pretend to met- be the victim like ugh, uh-uh. Uh, uh-uh. yeah jillian mezzi a consultant psychiatrist told the court that smith had a severe paranoid disorder with morbid jealousy and lived in a distorted reality. Okay. Yeah. I'm like... Then I mean, put him in like some kind of psychiatric shit. hospital or something. Well, a jury at the Manchester Crown Court took one hour to find 49-year-old Smith guilty of Bates' yes. murder. Mr. Justice? Is that his name? Oh. Mr. Justice Sachs stated... This has been a terrible case, a catalog of depravity by one human being upon another. You are a highly dangerous person. You are an abuser of women, and I intend, so far as it is in my power, that you will abuse no more. On November 19 or in November 1997, Smith got life in prison and must serve a minimum of 25 years for his horrific How about crimes. a minimum of 100 million years? How about, uh, let's just slowly torture you to death, because I think that's fair. Yeah, how about that guy fucking sucks? Mr. and Mrs. Bates have now set up a local branch of the national support group Support After Murder or Manslaughter, SAM, for other parents and have found some comfort in helping other families. Yeah. Margaret, who's 60, says... 
I want him to die just like Kelly did. I know I shouldn't say this, but I wish I'd killed him the first time I saw him. That way Kelly would still be alive. To this day, Margaret says she hasn't read the pathologist's report on what exactly happened to Kelly. No. And she said that about once a year she calls the coroner to have them send the report but then she always ends up backing yeah. out before they give her the yeah, information it's like it's probably better i mean her dad saw oh. her body like how scarred he is and oh it's just awful it's horrible it's fuck and it, i mean especially now with people being at home and a lot more people are being stuck with yeah. their abusers it's, it's a really scary time. time to be in an abusive relationship. Yeah. Oh, but there there are but, like hotlines with people who deal with this all the time that can help yes, give you there some are advice, resources. And resources, and connect you with like appropriate agencies that can kind of help with this. Ugh, yeah, that's horrible. I just feel like this should be taken way more seriously. Like, I don't I don't know if in the past, like his wife, you know, made a report or anything or if any of his girlfriends ever did. But if there ever was like and it was. So I think that I I think forever. I think that one or a few of them testified at the trial about his abuse. So at least there's that. But like, yeah, I don't I I don't know. From what I could find, I didn't find any actual reports that were made that the police could have gone off of anything. I mean, you know? if you can beat someone you love, you sure as hell can murder them. Like, that's the next and logical step. Yeah. He's not a doctor. He doesn't know, like, how much you can hurt someone without them, like, dying. You can't trust him. If he can, like, <sighs> torture you. Ugh. The poor girl, she was so young. She was so young when they got in their fucked up relationship. And her poor mother was doing everything yeah. that she knew that she could do. Right. <sighs> right. Because she, I mean. You can't alienate her. Like she her. said, if she had, exactly, yeah. if she had tried harder, then she would have alienated her and she wouldn't have had an Well, and the thing is, like, one. if she had gone over there and, like, he wouldn't have let her in. He wouldn't have let her see the, no. her daughter. If she called the police, like, what are they going to do? Right. If he's like, you can't, can't come in anything. my house. And, you know, she's a, of consenting age and she wants to be yeah, here. She's on her she own. She can't blame like, herself for that. Here. All, the only person who deserves blame is that, like, sack of shit. Yep. <sighs> the horrible, horrible, disgusting sack of shit. Well, that was an awful, awful story. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I know. I'm sorry, but I'm not sorry because it needs to be told. It's a horrible story and people need to be more aware of domestic yeah. abuse and also pedophilia. Like, fuck this dude. Yeah. yeah. Disgusting. Just preying on children. Well, it, sound, it sounds kind them. of like he probably went like younger and younger, you know. Yeah, that's exactly to, what he did. To start grooming earlier. Ugh. I was just going to say no blame to people who are stuck in the cycle of abuse because there are lots of reasons to stay and there are, you know, reasons to go. And it's just like a really people shouldn't abuse the people they're supposed to love. Oh, yep. Humans are scary, disgusting monsters or they can be the toss salad. 
and the scrambled egg. A tossed salad, a scrambled egg. The tossed salad. A tossed salad. And the scrambled egg. A scrambled egg. So a tossed salad is someone who clearly knows right from wrong and chooses to do wrong anyway. Right, so the tossed salad has more components, the person is able to com compartmentalize. And a scrambled egg is someone who can't tell right from wrong and they're just completely scrambled. Just one component, one track mind, they're all kinds of mixed up, there's no focus, they're disorganized. Uh, that guy, I think, was a tossed shit salad. And yeah. he yeah. deserves to suffer every day for the rest of his life. I think death by paper cuts? <gasps> no, he deserves worse <laughs> than that. Worse than that. Mm. He gouged we'll just out start her off with eyes, that. amongst other I things. I know. Then she really couldn't leave because she couldn't see how to get out of the house. Like Right, ultimate uh, control. Mm-mm horrible that was scarring and she That's was a horrible. child she didn't even make it to 18 uh -uh. and those years like when you're a teenager and you're supposed to be like there's gotta be like you know those like romeo and juliet laws where yeah. it's like you, you as like a 16 year old sure you should be able to like maybe date like an 18 year old if like if you're you know in, you're like, in the same school together, or whatever, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. yeah like that's fine but like any age gap that's you're still you're not even 20 yeah. yet and the person is at least is like even 10 years older than you should be illegal well i think in a lot of places the age of consent is being raised to 18 which is still really young Hope. but i think a lot of people are catching I mean, on to the fact that like when you're under the age of 18 but it's like i said i'm all for consent right if you're like if you're under 18 and you are are you know sexually active with your like under 18 partner like that's up to you well, as long as you're whatever. being smart about it right be smart, be smart. wear a condom be or whatever <laughs> but but like i'm not saying like you know oh no you gotta i know be, like, no i know that but, but i think that the age of consent being raised to 18 is to prevent something like a 45 year old dating a 16 year old because yeah. she's 16 so she can consent i know that there are like yeah, yeah if you're right. like sick 18 and then dating a 16 year old and your parents get pissed off and then they can charge you with like statutory rape and stuff right. yeah that's that's that's, that's wrong that's why shitty. i think romeo and juliet laws are important like the three-year difference or but, whatever but then any further than that is like too far ugh. there just needs to be like serious reform and like support for people going through these situations yeah yeah something like and it has to be it has to be easier for the victims to come forward. It has to be something that's like not traumatizing that they can like get help yeah. and feel empowered. Yeah. You know, filing a report instead of feeling like they're re-traumatized. Yeah. Or just going to make that person angry and then have to go home to them. Yeah. And deal with that whole situation. It's just Yeah, cuz a tricky. lot of times there's like uh what you call it, like where the one the abuser has all the control of the money, yeah. so financial the other abuse. person can't like yeah. right. So how, so they can't really go anywhere, and a lot of times they've been alienated so much from their friends and family that they feel like they have no contact. Like if you're in that situation and you feel like that, still reach out because I'm sure like a family member or a friend is just waiting for yeah. you to reach out. You're still loved. Don't believe the lies. But then the other part of it is like, how do these abusers? 
how do they do that? Like, how do they get so far that they're so manipulative? Like, how is that allowed to happen? That you're so manipulative Especially that you're when it's like, able to like groom someone like, or brainwash I underst- someone? Like, I understand when when you know if you're a child that's raised in a fucked up situation of abuse anyway, and like maybe that's your escape is like, oh, I can leave this house and go with my old boyfriend to like his place. And that seems like a good idea at the time, but it seemed like Kellyanne had such a good support system and like was just a regular kid. Like he was just so manipulative. Played football, played hockey, like hung out with her brothers. It's like, it's almost as if they have this like, like this laid out like game plan basically where it's like, first you Mm -hmm. do this, then you do this. Then you like, it's like, a lot of abusive relationships have like a very similar cycle. It's a cycle, but it's like, how are they learning this cycle? How are they able to like perpetuate this against other people? Like I just like as a human being who has like sympathy and empathy and feelings, I just don't understand how it gets that far. Like, how are you such a shitty human being that you would want to do this to someone else and then actively like do it? How are you going to destroy yeah. someone else's life, especially someone who like and loves you? Right. Well, you're a piece of shit to begin with and you don't have the capacity for love and you just manipulate them because you know that they you just pretend that you love them or whatever and then they'll get them to do whatever that you want. Plus, in a lot of situations, you know, it's like it's it like this guy. He had like every person, every woman that he was with. He practiced yeah. a little bit more, a little yeah. bit more until like he finally killed yeah. someone. You find their you threshold the and art. you push and push until right. it's like they're like, I can't deal with this anymore. And they're like, oh, I have to be sneakier about it next time. Right. Or like love bomb them for a while until they're like, oh, he's not that bad. Yeah. He Remember all the really good does times. care. He just had a he just had a bad day. It's OK that he gouged my eyes out. Well, this guy, like it wasn't even like, oh, he got drunk. You know, that's not no. who he is. He just got drunk. But then. Right. There's, that's not an excuse. It like, just sounds like he was super shitty sober. like the whole fucking time. Not that getting drunk is ever yeah. an excuse. If you're a shitty person while you're drunk, no. then you're kind of a shitty person. <laughs> no, that's it's very true. Like I've, you know, I've had my share of getting drunk with people and you can really tell who they are. And that's that's them. That's who mm. they are. Like alcohol just like makes you not hold back as right? much. Ugh. Well, if you feel super disgusting after that story and want to wash away the horribleness, the icky, icky, try out Humblebee Herbal. They've got some really, really nice soaps that won't dry out your skin. They're made with all natural ingredients. Never any fragrance oil or micas or weird metals or colors or dyes. It's all natural. They're all formulated for you and your skin. Humblebee Herbal donates soap to different causes. Right now, they're donating soap to a group called Punks with Lunch, who are a harm reduction group um, that help out the houseless. Yeah, let's help people who don't have shelter right now, because this is like, it's always a horrible time to not have a safe place to go, but especially now with the virus going around, let's try and keep everyone safe. So Try out some Humblebee Herbal products. Humblebeeherbal.com. Promo code CRIMINI20 at checkout. Okay, are you ready for my horrible story? <laughs> I don't know. Does it have any eyes? You, you know this story. I wanted, I just, I wanted oh. to keep it like, you know, but you know it. What? Anyway, okay, I'm just going to start. So I got my information okay. from Wikipedia Murder P- P- 
Murderpedia. Murderpedia. <laughs> I already feel like I have gum in my mouth. Okay. AZ Central, which is like an Arizona article. Mm-hmm. Um, I watched this video on YouTube called, oh, I'm not going to say what it's called, because, but oh. uh, JCS Criminal Psychology did it, and then mm-hmm. uh, Oxygen.com and ABC News article. So. Okay. Travis Victor Alexander was born on July 28th, 1977 in Riverside, California. He had seven siblings and his parents were drug addicts and life was like really hard when they were growing up. They never had like food in the house and it was just like a struggle. But his father died in 1997. So he and his siblings moved in with his paternal grandparents and his grandmother like took care of them all and man that's a lot of kids to just be like dropped on your lap yeah yeah but she i he later said that she was like a saint she took him in she loved Mm -hmm. them she also introduced them to the church of jesus christ and the latter-day saints Uh so he lived in mesa arizona and there he was a motivational speaker and a salesperson for a multi-level marketing company like this is network marketing but other ones i've seen multi-level marketing company called i mean they're basically the same right called prepaid legal so basically you like pay uh every month a fee and then apparently you get like legal services when you need it but okay well so it's like pay so it's like insurance or whatever kind of but you don't really need it and also you're like paying monthly you You have to if you're trying to like do that yeah you have to make sure that it's covering what you want it to cover in case something comes up anyway it's an MLM, so take that as you sounds will. like one of those things where like it sounds like a good idea yeah. from the outside, yeah. which gets people, and then when you read the fine print, it's like what? Yeah, what? I feel like it'd be really easy right. to convince people of this one because it's like, well, if if you ever need like legal help, it's very expensive. So if you're just paying like mm-hmm. a little bit a month when you actually need it, you know. But really, you just pay your copay and then you can go see your lawyer. (laughs) (laughs) So in May of 2008, Travis had a work retreat planned in Cancun. So it was like, you know, since he's working for an MLM, they always do like the the retreats for like the high earners or whatever. They like do shit like so it was like a pre-play. It was already paid for by uh, prepaid legal. So it was going to (laughs) happen. Oh, it was prepaid. Yeah. So he found out about it in May, and it was he was going to go on July 10th. He was 28 years old at the time, and then he was allowed to bring a guest. So he invited Ooh. a woman that he had been interested in named Mimi Hall. She, I'm sorry, what? You were just interested in this woman? You guys weren't dating? You're like, I see no. you down the hall. Well, she was, hey, Mimi. Listen, she was also Mormon. <laughs> So, oh, right. You can't really do anything. Yeah, you can't. So he was just you gotta like, wear your little bonnets. And, but he's going to like take her yeah. to Mexico. So he was interested in Mimi and she was like, yeah, I'll go with you. But I read an article where she was like, I'm not romantically interested, but we can go as friends. And okay. And he was like, OK, that's fine. We'll just go as friends, whatever. So <laughs> on the night of June 4th, 2008, Travis missed an important conference call at 7 p.m. And he that was like really unlike him. He's in Cancun? No, he goes oh, before Cancun. to Cancun. Oh, I think I miswrote this. He was supposed to go to Cancun, I think, June 10th. Okay, so this is before Cancun. Right, so this is just like, like a few days before he's supposed to leave. He misses this work conference. Okay. 
And then on June 9th, the day before he was supposed to leave, uh, Mimi went over to Travis's house with some friends to kind of like check mm-hmm. in on him because no one had heard from him and they were going to go to Mexico the next day. So she's like, maybe I should see like if we're still uh, yeah. going, like what's <laughs> happening. So she like rang the doorbell. I read like different, there's like different reports. So one said that she like rang the doorbell a few times and got no answer. So she like talked to one of his friends who was like, go through the garage. I know the code. Like, here's the code. Just go in and check on him. And then, so they went into the house, and then in another article, it said that his roommate was home. So, like, I don't know if she, like, rang the doorbell and he didn't hear it, but then they went to the house, and the roommate was there. They asked the roommate, like, hey, have you seen Travis? And he was like, no, he's in Mexico. And they were like, no. I mean, I get, no, no, I got... I understand not answering the door. Like, if I'm not expecting someone and I'm home alone, I'm not going to fucking answer the door if it rings. I might look to see who it is, but I'm probably not going to, Right, could be. Open the door. Could be. So, um, so the door, so he had, like, a master bedroom kind of area of the house, and the door was locked. Mm -hmm. So they were, like, looking for the key to get in, and then they, like, found the key. So... One of Mimi's friends entered first, and then she said that she saw blood all over the hallway leading into the master bedroom. Uh-oh. And uh, roommate, your story's not checking out anymore. And then she saw his body, and Travis was dead. He had been stabbed oh, and shit. shot in the head. Oh he God. was found in the shower, and he had had defensive wounds on his hands. Oh, shit. So they called 911. And uh, when the police got there, they found a spent 25 caliber round located near one of the sinks in the master bath. And hmm. Travis Travis had just got a new camera, a new digital camera for his trip. And they found it in the downstairs oh. washing machine. Shit. Okay. You know the story? Now this is... <laughs> Well, the camera thing, like, it's ringing bells. So Mimi was really worried. So when Mimi first got there and was, like, trying to get in, she was super worried about him because she knew that Travis had had a stalker. Oh, fuck. Jody Arias was born. Oh, shit. On July 9th, uh, 1980 in you know Salinas, what? California. That's funny what? Because I was thinking... <laughs> Wow, that's really funny. I was thinking earlier this week about that case, and then I was like, oh, I should do that one. And then I completely forgot about it. I had, so when I was doing this, I was like, I hope that Matt doesn't do this one. For some reason, I was like, <laughs> I feel like this is one that he would do. I like hope he doesn't do it. And then I was like, we're going to get on like and talk about it. And then he's going to start <laughs> telling it. And I'm going to be like, no, I'm telling that one. <laughs> I even had a dream last night where like we were sharing a story and we were both telling the same story. Oh, weird. Yeah, super weird. Fuck. But okay. also, like, yep. themes, right? Your story is kind of yep. similar to this story, so weird. Yeah. Okay, so for those of you who don't know, Jody Arias was born, I already said this, July 9th, 1980, in Salinas, California. She dropped out of high school in the 11th grade to pursue a career in photography, but okay. that didn't work, so she started working at a hotel restaurant, and she worked there for eight years. Then when she was 26 in 2006, she started a new job as a salesperson for a network marketing company called Prepaid Legal. Uh In September, she met Travis Alexander at a prepaid legal conference in Las Vegas. He was charismatic and caught Jody's attention. So 
Mm-hmm. Jody fell in love with Travis really quickly. One of Travis's friends named Sky Lovinger Hughes said she was really excited about the relationship. She loved how funny he was and how much fun they would have together. Travis loved to take adventures and do different things. So Travis like seemed to really like her too. So in an email to a friend, he wrote, I went from intrigued by her to interested in her to caring about her deeply to realizing how lucky I would be to have her as part of my life forever. She is amazing. It's not hard to see that whoever scores Josie, whether it be me or someone else, is going... Did you just say Josie? No, I said Jody. Did I? I Whoever scores Jody, whether it be me or someone else, is going to win the wife lotto. But there was a huge issue in their potential relationship. Uh, That she's a psychopath? No. That Travis was Mormon (laughs) and Ah. they were having premarital sex. (gasps) Which is a huge no-no. Straight to hell. It's a huge no-no. So soon after they met, Travis sent missionaries to Jody's home and he'd like tell her all about the Book of Mormon and Oh my God, dude. He just needed to convert her because he couldn't be like seeing a non-Mormon. So on November 26th. Travis baptized Jody into the Mormon church. What? And then Can you do that? Can you just baptize someone? Well, I think they I think he went to the church and they like did the oh. whole baptism, but he's the one who like performed it, I guess. I don't know. Mm-hmm. And Jody said wow. that it was like such an amazing thing and it was like so spiritually opening and whatever, whatever. But this is after they had known each other for a very short time and she's already converting to his religion. So uh, red flag number one. Everyone, slow down. If people are moving that fast, huge red flags. Big red flags. So they started dating seriously in February. So February 2nd, 2007. And then they talked on the phone every day and sent 82,000 emails to each other. Oh, my God. So Jody was living... I think in Wairika at the time and Travis was living in Mesa. So they would like meet part way or they would like travel to see each other. Long distance relationship. So, but the whole time, the whole time they were together, Travis felt really guilty about sex because he wasn't supposed to be having it. Because your church brainwashed you into thinking it's unnatural and and that you're a naughty boy. He was supposed to marry a virgin. So now Jody's not a possible wife. That is is even though I mean, he's not I'm a virgin not, anymore I know either so i know I that, know that. Yeah. i'm like i know he's the victim in this and i'm not saying anything against him but the whole virginity thing needs to go die because it's clearly it not helping ruins people's lives yeah sorry i'm just gonna like it's not virginity is not a real thing Everyone needs to get that out of their mind this is why i do not like religion because it makes people feel less than they are for doing natural, normal things. Right. I was having this conversation um, with mom and dad recently about how, like, growing up Catholic, you experience so much guilt for everything, mm-hmm. no matter what. For being human. Yeah. And I was trying to explain that to Zachary because he doesn't get it because he didn't grow up, like, Catholic or any kind of, like, religion. Mm-hmm. So it's like, you don't understand. Like, I feel guilty for everything, even if it's, like, a normal thing. I feel guilty about it because that's like how I grew up. And he was like, well, that doesn't sound fun at all. And I was like, no, it's not. It's awful. No part of it is fun. Religion is all about control. It's all about control and putting people at a lower level 
than like priests and shit and making you feel like you're just a shitty and human being and you're full of sin. It runs so deep. <laughs> it runs so deep. It's just like it's horrible. Yeah. It's taken me it's taken me like 20 some years to get all that to shit. To kind of like my head. disentangle from it and I still like I still have yeah. the guilt. Like that's something that's like not leaving. It's like here to stay. I've luckily been able to get to push most of that out because you can't live your life like that. I know you can't, but you do. <laughs> I do. <laughs> So So fuck religion. Any ruins everything. Okay, so there are other troubling signs towards the beginning of their relationship. So Sky said, one night we were all in the hot tub and there's four of us. You know, this is a time to chat and hang out. So I think it was Sky and her husband Charles and then Jody and Travis. Mm And she said, well, Jody is like climbing on Travis while we're trying to have this conversation. She was all over him. I mean, like eighth graders whose parents are out of town, like straddling his lap and sucking on his neck. And Travis kept pushing her off. And he's like, Jody, get off me. Like, what are you doing? Yeah, like we're having a conversation. This is not just us in the hot tub. Yeah, we're gross. having a conversation with friends. And I'm not a fan of PDA anyway, and this is like way too far. <laughs> I know you're not. <laughs> That's so gross. I would feel so uncomfortable if that was ha- if I was like had friends over and then she's like climbing all over him. I'd just be like, okay. That's what I'm saying. Like if it's your own hot tub in your backyard and you're in there by yourself, have yeah, at it. whatever. But if you're like around other people, no, you. So Sky also said this is around the time where she became very possessive of him. So Travis's other friend Clancy Talbot said she had she just had to sit right by him. She didn't appreciate when he was talking to another female. She didn't like the fact that if there was anyone that didn't know that they were together, she wanted to make that clear. By latching onto his neck with her (laughs) basically or being right by him (laughs) all the time. That would drive me nuts Uh, yeah like i need my space (laughs) yeah clingy is not an attractive quality in a mate i mean i think that's no not at all and i i would even say that's even above clingy yes gross uh it gets worse so as friends just imagine her as like a little koala yeah like just always like attached to him like hanging on his side or something yeah but koalas are cute because they're sleepy all the time but like a but like a koala leech. Ew, kind of a leech. She's so with kind like of a the leech. the mouth of a leech. Yeah. Just like sucking on him while like holding on. She's kind of a leech. She's kind of like slippery and like leeching on. Gross. Mm-hmm. So as his friends got to know her better, they got more and more creeped out by Jody and what she would do. <laughs> so yeah. Sky said that Jody would follow Travis to the bathroom and stand Ew, outside what? the door. She would also, like yeah, she'd also <laughs> eavesdrop on her, her, on his conversations. They, she said that one time, like she and her husband were talking to Travis. I think they're like staying at their house for something and she, they like kind of pulled him mm-hmm. aside and they're like, Hey, we're kind of concerned, like what's going on. And then, and then she said that she got this feeling and she's like, she's Ew. behind the door. I know she's listening. <gasps> so then they went, they like snuck to the door and opened it and she was like standing right there. And she, like, tried to make some kind Ew. of excuse, but she said, but then Sky said, like, the look in her eyes was, like, rage. Like, she was so she, like, mad. She heard what they yeah, said. that they were, like, questioning their relationship. And, like, how dare you? Well, and if she's following him to the yeah. bathroom, like, obviously, she doesn't want him alone yeah. with, with anyone, or, you know, even just by himself. Uh-huh. So, like, having a door shut between her and them, I'm sure it was, like, made her, like, infuriated. Mm-hmm. So creepy. 
Ooh, and Charles said that she went through Travis's phone on multiple occasions and and she also like hacked into his emails and social media accounts. <sighs> Abuse. And then Sky mm-hmm. added that Jody would even forward emails between Travis and other women to herself. So she could keep tabs of like who <laughs> so she was evidence. talking to. I'm sure she used it as like a weapon oh. of like, look, who are you talking to on this day? And he's like, that's literally my coworker. So look at the creepy. emails all about like work. So creepy. So they dated for five months and then Travis oh, broke it off. Jeez. Because Good. crazy. On June 29th, he like ended the relationship. Jo- oh, I okay. guess it was July. Okay, I'm wrong. So they're going to go on their trip. Actually, cut that. I don't know. Anyway. <laughs> so Jody said it was because they were both too jealous. Ah, uh, yeah, both. Yeah, it uh-huh. went both ways. She wasn't the only one hacking right. into his shit and being like eavesdropping <laughs> creepy, creepy bitch. But well, I mean, I guess he did like have her baptized and shit to be like, well, you're mine because not like, you know, I got to make you my well, perfect He was just trying to save bride. her soul. <laughs> so Travis. You want to save your soul? Get the fuck out of church. But Travis. That shit will murder your soul yeah well it will so travis told his friends that jody became really possessive and was starting to like act like a stalker and that's why he ended the relationship well yeah and like you said that the friends were seemed like at least those friends were there enough to see the behavior enough that they had confronted him about it well, they in particular were like really concerned for his safety. Right. Uh, but other friends also called her a stalker and like noticed that she was doing creepy shit. And even Travis was like, yeah, she's fucking creepy and a stalker. But he didn't. He, he like broke up with her, but he like continued to like see her and talk to her uh, because because it's, well, it's complicated hard to get out of. And I'm sure like she put on the guilt of like. You know what? You know, just like how could you just leave me? Like we're so we're good like together. meant to be we together. To, like, I just love you. Yeah, and... like look at all this good, the good that we had, and showing all the once again love bombing and doing stuff to be like, well, it's not that bad. Okay, I guess like I maybe maybe I took it the wrong way. Maybe she was intending. Well, this also, other thing, I think there's that like... guilt too that like because because they were having premarital sex, she was no longer wife uh, yeah. material for him. But he's and like, he ruined it. but yeah, but he's like part of that, you know, he's part of the reason right. why she's not wife material. And if it's just with assuming him, that she was a virgin before right. him, though. Well, yeah, but like, but the fact that he's not a virgin, you know, he's like contributing to it. So I'm sure that could also be yeah. held over him where it's like, oh, well, but it's just like, it's just with you. And like, we should be together because we already ruined each and, other. Yeah, so. exactly. And like, if it's if, if we can just make it work and get married, yeah, it'd, be then fine. it'll be all good in God's eyes. Mm-hmm. And it'll be like, well, yeah, we had premarital sex, but we were like on our way to becoming like husband and wife or whatever yeah. excuse you so, want to do. So Travis told a friend, he was like, I know that she's not wife material because obviously mm-hmm. she's not a virgin. She's ruined. ruined. But it's hard to say no to a woman that sneaks into your house, crawls in your bed and tries to, you know, seduce you. I mean, that is kind of fun. So she would she would just show up at his house like all hours. Didn't she like go through the dog door? Yeah. 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 So she'd show up at his house all hours and then he would usually let her in because, you know, mm-hmm. she's like, I have nowhere to go. I need to come in. And then she would she would also like look in his windows and follow him on <laughs> dates with other women. 
Oh, no. She would call at like crazy times and then she would always seem to know where he was when he was with another woman or at least when he was with another woman, obviously, because she's like, you know, getting into his shit. Well, because if her job, if she's working at this MLM thing, there's I'm assuming there's no like office or anything. So it's all like work from home to make your own hours and then you can make yourself rich or whatever if you do it right. (laughs) So she's able to just like stalk him all the fucking time and not be and no one's like holding her accountable like why aren't you showing up to work or with like an mlm usually you're kind of like selling yourself you know like your brand or whatever so it's also like you know social media is a huge way to make sales and get traction and this is the beginning of like social media so i'm sure he's like putting online you know like oh like going out to dinner thanks for my job Mm because i can like go have like fancy dinners or whatever you know i don't know but Anyway, so she can, like, track him, and she, like, hacked into his shit, so. Yeah, I'm sure she has, like, a, one of those phone locator things, or, or like, share Something. my, when you can share your location or whatever on your phone. She also stole a diamond ring from him, I guess, and then, uh-huh. so she would show up at his house unannounced, and then she would usually go in through the garage door because she knew the code, but then someone mm-hmm. said that she'd, like, cl- she'd go through the dog door sometimes, too. Yeah. And that Travis just like really wanted her out of his life. But Jody was like determined to be in a relationship with him because she thought they were meant to be together. Psycho. So soon after after the breakup, Jody moved from her grandparents' house in Wairica, California, to Mesa, Arizona. Oh my god. Like right by where Travis was living. After they She's broke like, oh, up. Oh, you live here? I didn't know you live on this street. That's so weird. I just got a uh-huh. house here. After they break up, then she moves. It's so fucking gross. Okay, so then in December of 2007, Travis started seeing another woman. And apparently, Jody slashed the tires on his car on two different occasions. One, I think he was like on a date with her. And then at, I think at the restaurant, like he slapped, she slashed his tires. And then another time she did it. And he'd like confront her and be like, what the fuck? And she's like, I didn't do it. I don't know. That's so weird. Okay. This is just like a little nitpicky, but uh, everyone, if you're trying to slash tires, how about just let the air out? Because tires are fucking it's expensive very, to replace. Well, and it's very and dangerous. very inconvenient and very dangerous. So if you could just like, just let the air out if you're mad. Like, leave the whole integrity of the tire alone. You're going to get... It's a bitch and a half to go get air to put in the tires when they're flat. They're going to... It's going to be an inconvenience. Do so you really have to well, slash? Well, also, it's very dangerous usually because they're, so, they're pressurized. So if you stab it with a knife, if you do it the wrong way, that knife's going to come right back at you. Gouge you so, right in the careful. eye. Ooh, in bad that was in bad taste. <laughs> oh, <Ooh>, sorry. <laughs> so she would also try scaring this other woman by knocking on her door and windows before running away. It was ding dong ditching. And then on in June 2008, Travis told friends that he thought Jody hacked into his Facebook account and told the woman to stay away. Okay, first of all, could you imagine just like being a person who's like recently got a new boyfriend or whatever and then like you're in your own home Mm -hmm. minding your own business and you just you're like knock knock like on a window and you're like what the fuck you go and look no one's there scary knock knock on a door what the fuck yeah it's scary i wouldn't i would break up with him i'd be like i can't handle this like no someone she knows where i live and she's like at my fucking house (laughs) no yeah yeah. it's horrible unfortunately 
be safer just to leave. But you, but how would you make that connection that like the knocking is due to like if you didn't know who was knocking? Well, I think I think that's the thing with like stalkers is I think a lot of times when someone has a stalker, they tell people like, "Hey, I have a stalker. This is something you'll probably that's experience true. for their own safety." So it's probably like, "Hey, uh, I have a stalker. So if anything weird happens, it's probably her being fucking weird." It's stalking yeah, okay. is like I guess terrifying. Would, yeah. This is so sh- we need yeah. to also we need to like fix stalking the way that we deal with stalkers in this country stuff. because yeah. it's it's insane. Okay, so then eventually Jody like ran out of money, I think. So then she moved back in with her grandparents in Wairika. And then Travis was like, "Thank God, like she's gone. Finally mm, I can get back finally. to my life. Like she won't be harassing me or people I'm dating." But right. they'd still like uh-uh. they like um What's it called? Not like sexed each other, but like kind of. What's it called over the phone? Phone sex. They'd have like phone sex and stuff. Like she like kept him on the line. I I was like, I was going to say cyber sex, but I was like, that's not right. But she's like, put the two words together. The the words you're talking about, just put them together. It makes sense. So he's still partially under her. Yeah, because look, he uh, he's like a Mormon. You're not allowed to do that shit. And then you have someone who's like throwing themselves at you. It's kind of like, well. Okay. Well, I mean, especially if you're if the women that you're dating now are Mormon as well, so they're like, "Well, you ain't getting any yeah, here." Yeah, it's like and I'm wife like, well, material. I'm I not could, trying to ruin that. Could, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's yeah. like, "Well, I've that's cool." On the other I'm gonna end. keep you pure and as I, I, wife material, but I got this yeah. like hoe on the back dough. <laughs> <laughs> not that any woman's a hoe. I'm not saying that. I just you no, know. but this this girl, <laughs> this she's throwing it around like happens to be a woman. <laughs> Is a hoe through the dog dog. Oh, show. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay. So, Ch- Chody. No. <laughs> That's the porn version. <laughs> I'm sorry. That's what she went by on, the, on their phone sex. Okay. <laughs> I'm Chody. <laughs> oh, God. That was my bad. Okay. I can't find words. I can't read words. Things are happening. <laughs> so Jody knew about uh, Travis's upcoming Mexico trip, and she was hoping that he would ask her to go. Because why not, right? Think of all the amazing phone sex we can have in Cancun. <laughs> you be in one room, I'll be in the other. <laughs> We're Mormons now. We can't, like, actually touch. So... So, uh, okay, so the last week of May, it became clear that Travis wasn't going to take her, that he was going to take someone else. So mm-hmm. how do you think Jody responds to that rejection? Not so mm. great. <laughs> so around that time, I don't know if it was about, like, I don't know if Travis knew that she knew that he wasn't going to take her, but I'm assuming that they had that conversation probably. Or I'm also assuming if she's if he knows she's stalking him and is getting all his like emails yeah. and shit, I'm sure he assumes everything that he sends out in email she's yeah reading. probably. So they got into a huge fight around that time, and Travis told her, "You don't know what horror you've caused me." She responded, "It wasn't really my intention to harm you." And then he called her a sociopath and the lowest of the low, which mm. yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Sounds like accurate. the shoe fits. <laughs> <laughs> so then on May 28th, 2008, there was a burglary at Jody's grandparents' house. 
a 22 mm-hmm. no 25 caliber gun and some other things mm. were taken the gun has never been found mm-hmm. and just a day just days before the mexico trip jody kept asking her ex-boyfriend daryl brewer to borrow two five-gallon gas cans for a trip to Arizona. And she's just gonna try and drive all the way there. Yeah, it's like that stop. crazy like astronaut lady. Although yeah, she didn't the have diaper, the diaper. Astronaut diaper lady. <laughs> yeah, she didn't have the diapers though. Maybe. Maybe they just didn't report it, because I mean, you gotta go at some point. Well, she did stop. You're... So on June second, Jody uh. <laughs> rented a white Ford Focus in Redding, California which was about 100 miles south of where she was living. She told the budget rental car the budget rent a car staff that she was only going to be driving locally. On um you guys, what? Like sorry, but <laughs> I'm only going to drive locally, you guys. Well, I think they asked Except I'm going to have like so many miles on right. my car that it looks like I just drove around in a circle for like 6 days right. straight. Well, yeah. <laughs> Right, because don't they ask, like, how many... You have to, like, guess how many miles you're going to drive or something, I feel like. I don't know. Because they don't really want you to, like, car, put a bunch of but... miles on their cars, usually, unless they're, like, a specific car for that. I think they have, like, their long-distance right. cars or something. I don't know. <laughs> they're long I don't know, but I'm assuming they, like, asked her about it. And she's like, oh, I'm just going to yeah, keep it around well, here. But, like, also, you're... Yeah, you're going to be charged the... Um, I don't know. Whatever. Yeah, Irrelevant. Don't we don't but... know how rental cars well, work. <laughs> Plus, like, is she thinking, like, oh, this is my alibi. They're going to see I rented a car, but they're going to talk to these people, and they're going to be like, no, no, she just drove well, around we'll, 100,000 miles. As we'll learn town. later on, she's not the brightest. Right. She thinks right. that she's, like, really clever, but she's not right. very clever. So, <laughs> okay. okay, so on June 3rd, Jody bought a third five-gallon gas can. Some sunblock and a facial cleanser from Walmart in Salinas. Okay, so she's going to keep her face clean and and blocked for the sun. That's right. The long I mean, haul. in the car, that's where you get the most sun damage. It's important to wear sunscreen mm. while you're in the car. That's a PSA for y'all. <laughs> okay. Take care of your skin, especially on your face, but everywhere else, with Humblebee Herbal's facial products. They've got a lovely toner that can be used as a makeup cleaner or just like a way to cleanse those pores. They have a face mask, cleansing grains you can use to like scrub your face or as a mask, and lovely soaps for your face. Just, you know, keep your face clean. Check them out, humblebeeherbal.com. Careful with what you're buying at Walmart. I don't know if those cleansers are really that good for you, but anyway. I'm picturing like Comet, like cleanser. (laughs) Making a face mask out of Comet. (laughs) Yeah, when I hear cleanser, I just imagine the the, like, you know, the Comet in the the cheese spiller outer. What is it called? Shaker. Yeah. Cheese shaker. Yeah, I imagine that too. Mm -hmm. Mm, Some facial cleanser. Mm. Don't use Comet on your face, everyone. (laughs) Okay, so that evening she bought 8.3 gallons of gas at a gas station in Pasadena. And she used her debit card. And then four minutes later, she paid cash for 9.6 gallons. So Hmm. she's like stocking up. On June. But, well, sorry. I was just wondering, like, because she's driving from Reading to Pasadena. She would have had to fill up. Yeah. Before that. Oh, but then she had the gas cans with her. maybe. So she got all the way down to Pasadena and then had to get gas. But I don't. Depend. I mean, depending on what kind of car she has, like, an eight-gallon... She has a like, Ford Focus. 
Eh, they might have a small gas tank. I don't know. I don't know. Like, I don't get this at all. I don't get her planning. Like, she's like, okay, I'm going to fill up gas here in California so it doesn't look like I was in Arizona, maybe? Maybe. I don't know. I don't understand her the way her brain yeah, so works. That she could say that, so she could say that she never left the state. Except for later, you'll find out that she... Anyway, anyway. Okay, so on June 4th in 2008, Jody showed up at Travis's unannounced, like always. <laughs> in through the dog door. Hello. <laughs> I think in through the garage this time. And then apparently they had sex and then they took pictures of each other using Travis's new digital camera explicit wow. pictures he's just like oh i wasn't expecting you at all let's have sex i mean i think that's all that was happening in their relationship at that point though seems like she would it. just show up yeah, and then that's, that's what it was so <laughs> the last photo of travis alive was a picture of him in the shower that was taken by jody at 5 29 p.m hmm. then Moments after she took that last picture, she stabbed Travis 27 times. She cut his throat, slicing (gasps) his jugular vein and carotid artery and windpipe. So that's a deep ass cut. And then she shot him in the face. I mean, did you need to do that? It's such overkill. It's such overkill. That's rage. So dirt like the amount of strength I would assume to I mean I don't whatever I was gonna say like I'm assuming she's shorter than him and if he's standing in the shower mm-hmm. and she's like I'm assuming stabbing him first to get him like maybe to get you know kind of scrunched down and well then we'll kind of grabbing him I mean I talk oh, about this later but there's one picture of him I think the last picture of him alive was him sitting so either she asked him mm. to sit down to like pose for the picture or he sat down for something and then the prosecution said that she stabbed him in the heart which then he would probably lose consciousness pretty quickly after being stabbed in the heart and then she like stabbed him a bunch of times and then shot him oh shit. so that's what they think happened but shit. so during the attack travis's camera took two accidental pictures the first one huh. is of the ceiling and wall, so it looks like like the camera was falling and it took a picture. Mm-hmm. And then the next one was of like part you could see like part of Travis's body and part of Jody's foot in the picture. So they oh. think that she accidentally kicked it when she was like murdering him or trying to like drag him. Oh shit! So you can see like her foot and her pant leg and his. Bl- clearly like a lot of blood and his body part of his body so 62 seconds had passed between the two pictures so like the camera drops 62 seconds then she's like in the picture with his body then jody spent around 45 minutes trying to clean the crime scene she was trying to get rid of her dna she wiped down travis's body using a cup of water and a cloth and then okay. she deleted the pictures from Travis's camera and then threw it in the washing machine to try and destroy right. it. Just destroy Although I'm it. like, yeah. why wouldn't she just take out the memory card? Well, I mean, on some cameras, you can have pictures on the camera that aren't on the memory card. Well, why or, wouldn't you just take the camera with dumb. you? She's just dumb. I don't understand. Like, Yeah, I don't understand her thinking. <laughs> so then she drove into the desert and then called Travis's phone and left a voicemail. 
in the voicemail, she she's just like rambling and then she's like, oh, I drove 100 miles in the wrong direction or like over 100 miles. Thank you very much. And she's just like going on and on about how like she went on this like road trip and she like got lost and just like went so far in the wrong direction because it's like classic her or whatever. It's like fucking weird. And then she like mentioned his upcoming trip. And she's like, oh, that trip that you're going on when we were talking about it, I was looking at like May. I didn't I didn't realize that it was happening in like June or whatever. And she's like going on about that. And then she's like, oh, also like me and a friend are going to go to see Othello on July 1st. You should like come with us. And and she's like going on and on about weird random shit just to like try and make an alibi like, basically. Right. So I was going to say it's like like she's thought about all of this and how she's going to go about this crime. Like in her mind, like you said, it's like she thinks she's clever. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, I got, I got to wipe down the crime scene. I've got to like establish that I, you know, got lost driving. That it and wasn't that's why at my his cell phone... house that I was far away. Yeah. yeah. And like my the cell phone tower can ping me right. here and be like, oh, I'm he- I was here the whole time during that. Even though my car says I've driven 30 million miles. Well, now she went 100 miles in the wrong direction because she was going to go on a road trip or whatever. <laughs> but like you're already it's you, you're like in. I don't Never mind. No, I there's no there's no rhyme or reason. Okay. No, no. Nope. So after she makes that phone call, then she drives to Ryan Burns house in Utah and she stayed the night there. He said that she seemed fine. She's like, I made a wrong turn in up in California, in Northern California, where I got this car from. I made a wrong turn and now I'm in Utah. Well, no, she was like, I made a wrong turn and drove like a bunch of miles in Arizona but on my way to, to Utah. Yeah, yeah, what the fuck? I like, don't know. That doesn't make any she sense. She doesn't make sense. She's just trying to like cover her ass in a way that's like, because mm-hmm. she thinks she's so clever and she's like so manipulative that she thinks like, oh, I could just explain this away. Like they're going to believe me. You know, I'm just like this mm-hmm. sweet little Mormon girl. They're going to believe what I have to say. I was never even there. <laughs> so then, uh, so like there are kind of conflicting stories here too because Ryan Burns is like, oh yeah, nothing was weird. Nothing was off. But she had bandages on her hands. And then she was like wearing long sleeves, even though it's like the summer in Utah. But also, if Jody is like kind of cuckoo bananas anyway, yeah. that might be normal. Well, but for then her. There, in another story, it said that they had sex that night. So wouldn't he see like scratches on her arms and stuff? And he's like, no, it's fine. But that's what I'm saying. Like, well, scratches might be like normal. Well, like, here's how she like maybe. dismissed the scratches. She said mm-hmm. that she was working at Margaritaville, which is a restaurant. <laughs> And you know how those cats love coming to Margaritaville. And when you get their margarita wrong, those claws come out and start scratching. Well, you. yeah, she got an injury while working there. But then Margaritaville <laughs> didn't exist in that area ever, like where she was saying it happened. And then she was also working at a restaurant called Casa Ramos at the time. So she wasn't even working uh-huh. there. She said she was like, oh. Well, you know how confusing it is when you think you're Why working wouldn't you say that you worked at the restaurant you really worked at? I don't understand. And then she's like, yeah. Well, maybe. She cut her fingers because she had, and I quote, a bazillion margaritas to make. Oh, you know how it chafes so bad when you make a like margarita all the way up your and arms? then eventually you're just wounds. Just And then the salt, mm-hmm. you're getting salt in the wounds. It's just, but I, I mean, just, like, it's a battlefield out there are so, like, why would you name a restaurant you work at a restaurant. You work at a restaurant that cl- <laughs> like probably has margaritas, right? Like, why would you say? I don't know. I don't know. That doesn't. Yeah, that doesn't. Like, that's like an added detail that makes yeah, no sense to me. She makeup. does that stuff. It's like, 
Because I think like part of it is her trying to make it seem like real. Like the more detail she gives, she feels like people are going to believe it. But that mm-hmm. always leads to like conflicting shit. So it's like clearly wrong. Right. Like this isn't stuff that is just like no one can look up. Right. Or right. But she does. Completely like, obscure. This is one of her things that she does is she rambles on and on and on giving like endless detail to things that eventually like because she can't even remember her own lies. So then she'll like tell other people different stuff. She's just like out of her mind. So on June 5th, 2008, this was the day that she she like killed him that night. So West Jordan, Utah, police officer Michael Gallietti pulled Jody over while she was in the rented car driving up to meet mm-hmm. Burns. The front license plate of the car was missing and the rear plate was upside down. Jody said, <laughs> they'll never catch me now. Jody said <laughs> it was because some kids at Starbucks were playing a trick on her. Oh, uh, those Starbucks kids are always after me lucky charms. And then he didn't cite her for it. And then she probably like flirted her way out I of it or know. something. No, and then Ryan Burns helped her fix the license plate. But like what? Like that's such a weird thing. Why would you flip the you think people can't read your license plate if it's upside down? Like, I don't understand. <laughs> I don't understand her yeah, thinking. Yeah, well, it's like one of those things where she, it's like an attempt in the right direction. We're like, I can't have anyone know that I was out here, so I'm going to disguise she, like, the car that I brought. But she clearly doesn't understand how things work. <laughs> like, eyes. Like, I don't, you know. Yeah. <laughs> It's so weird. It's so weird. The choices that she's making. So then the next day on June 6th, 2008, she stopped at Tesoro gas station in Salt Lake City three times at a pilot flying J travel center in Winnemucca, Nevada, and at a 7-Eleven in Sparks, Nevada. And then on June 7th, she returned the rental car, which had been driven about 2,800 miles. It was also missing all of its floor mats, and (laughs) there was what looked like Kool-Aid stains on the front and rear seats. Mm, I don't know that that's Kool-Aid. But the car was clean before the police got to it. And were they also like, where's the license plate? (laughs) They were like, "Uh, where are the parts of the car that are clearly missing? (laughs) Also, 2,800 miles to drive a few days like in Redding. Mm, yep. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm saying. Like, you're just driving around and That's around. That's so like, far. That's so many miles. Uh, I mean, maybe if you were just like driving around Shasta or something, but like. How many times are you know. driving around that mountain? <laughs> I don't know. A lot. <laughs> I don't know. And, you know, I had to use the floor mats for. Um, A bear was uh, attacking me. I had to throw them uh, at, the, at the bear. <laughs> He also changed my license plate and turned it upside down. Isn't that weird? Yeah, he's playing tricks. That Starbucks bear was out playing tricks. And also, I took the uh, rear view mirror because I looked really cute in it. Uh, And then five days later, that's when Mimi and her friends discovered Travis's body. Okay, so as soon as Jody heard that Travis was found dead. That's in quotes, obviously, because she knew he was dead. But she heard that he was dead. Uh, She called the police and was like, oh, I will help you like however I can. And was like, you know, injecting herself in the investigation. Uh, I was just going to say it's like those people that like want to they're like at the forefront being like, yeah, someone's missing. Let me help. I was that every and also kind of like 
knowing full right, well that you're not going to find like, shit. I was really important in his life, so I can be like, I can offer information, right. you know? It's like an ego thing and also yeah, like, a, yeah. oh, maybe I can like direct right. you in another direction because well, I'm being so helpful. And it seemed like that's what yeah. she that's what she thought of herself as is like this person. That well, yeah, because she could always get in back life. in because she knew how to like use use him and manipulate him. Mm-hmm. So, so she calls the police and then she's like, um, she's like, I wasn't involved. I haven't seen Travis in two months. I was on this crazy road trip where I got like super lost. So you'll never believe it. I drove for like a hundred hours in the wrong direction. But. So to appear innocent and also to like, to, to like as a note of how like egotistical she or like how kind of stupid, but then also like how manipulative she was, she agreed to provide a DNA sample. So she thought that wow. she had done such a good job of cleaning up the crime scene that they weren't going to find her DNA anywhere. Well, I wonder too if she was thinking like, well... I cleaned up the crime scene really well. And also, if they do find any of my DNA, I can be like, oh, well, we've been having a sexual relationship and I was there like a month ago. I mean, maybe, but just knowing more about Jody, I feel like it was her kind of being like, oh, I'm so good at like hiding this uh, crime. I like going to find shit. Yeah, they're not going to find anything. And also like two months. I mean, I know it's a long time, but if you're cleaning your house, I don't know. Mm. Wouldn't DNA be kind of like hard to find for someone else? Well, it depends on how cleanse, cleanly you are. Cleansly you are. <laughs> cleansly. It depends how much cleanser you're putting on all your on things. On your face. Facial yes. cleanser. That's right. Yes. So the following month, forensics were actually able to get pictures off of the camera, which obviously, like, Jody thought she they wouldn't be able to. She on. And they found Jody's <laughs> DNA everywhere. Oh, Jody. Most incriminating were a bloody palm print in the bathroom hallway, which DNA was... Seriously, Jody? You're yeah. wiping everything down except a bloody palm print? She just, like, wiped him down. <laughs> I don't know. Idiot. She's weird. She's crazy. So, so DNA revealed that it was a mixture of both of theirs. And also, there was, like, a hair in the palm print. I believe to prove that like that like the blood didn't end up there you know like a while ago it was like clearly it had just recently happened so um, yeah but like how yeah how often do you have a bloody palm (laughs) like it's not like a normal thing like oh you know that totally just happened that time I went to his house and like I like cut my hand. My palm. And I just like put it on the wall, and he just didn't clean it because we're so in love. And I'm sure, was it his blood or her blood? It was a mixture because... of both their DNA, so I don't know. Oh, right, but she had so like she probably, cuts and well, stuff, so I'm thinking it was like probably some of hers too. I don't know. Defensive wounds, and if she's using a knife, she probably like sli- it probably slipped, and she probably well remember her margarita herself. making cuts on her hand and arms. Oh yeah, what are we talking about? This isn't about the knife. You know what happened was she she was making margaritas two months all ago. Night. She was making yeah. a bunch of margaritas working at Margaritaville. Yeah, went over to his house with her bloody palms yeah. because what else do you expect when you're making margaritas? You mean so you're vigorously? bleeding? It's like you're gonna keep bleeding. Why would you wipe <laughs> that a, off? You fucking call it a strawberry daiquiri at that point. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so then also to like put on top of this like weirdness and like shittiness of Jody during this investigation, she was posting pictures of her and Travis on social media, and then would write these like letters to Travis. 
to show like oh. how heartbroken she was and like how much she like yeah, missed get him. Sympathy. Yeah, and then she even sent his family flowers and a note being like, "Oh, I'm so sorry that Travis was murdered and he was such a wonderful guy." Because I'm sure Travis didn't say anything about this psycho who's stalking uh-huh. him and crawling through her dog, his dog door. To his seven <laughs> siblings? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm sure at least one of them heard something. So eventually they were like, basically the police asked everyone and everyone was like, hey, he has a stalker. Her name is Jody. Go find her. And then so they indicted her on first degree murder. Because she wasn't hard to find, and she was like, "Hey guys, I'm right here, just in case you want my help." Because like, I will I'm help really, you. Really helpful, and like, I'm in love. We we were in love. We were gonna get married, actually. Yeah. So basically, a month after the murder, a little more than a month after the murder, she was indicted, and they arrested her at her grandparents' home on July fifteenth, two thousand eight. Then she was extradited to Arizona in September, and she pled not guilty on September eleventh, two thousand eight. Hmm. So during the interrogation, she presented herself as, like, soft-spoken and, like, super helpful. And she just, like, loved God and would talk about, like, praying and God and whatever. (laughs) So they, like, bring her into the interrogation room. And then she's, like, handcuffed. And then she, like, gets up and she sits on the floor. What? And then she, like... She, like, puts her head down and then, like, flips her hair back and is, like, sitting on... She just is doing, like, weird shit. And then she's doing, like, yoga stuff on the floor and just, like... In court. No, no. In the interrogation room. So oh. Then an, <laughs> so then an officer, like, comes in and they're, like, can you please, like, sit in the chair? And so then she gets up and goes in the chair. And then she's, like... She's, like, listening for... they. Then the police officer leaves. And then she's, like, sitting there, like, listening for footsteps. And then she hears... Um, the detective who's going to interrogate her's footsteps and so she like puts her head on the table and then pretends like she's sleeping like she's so calm that she could sleep in an interrogation room like the things that she does Which are usually so... points to guilt yeah because guilty people are like well it's over now i can finally sleep well not only that but it's like what a guilty person would think that like an innocent person would do basically yeah. like oh i'm so innocent like if i was accused of a crime i'd be flipping the fuck out hey, especially yeah. like a murder i'd be freaking out but she's like, oh, and I'm also, so calm. Like, this is in 2008. Yeah. How does she not know that an interrogation room would have a camera? Yeah, I don't know. She's fucking idiot. She is an idiot. So then, so then he like walks by, and then because they're probably like monitoring her at this point. So then he like walks by, and she like lifts her head up, and then she like is listening, and then he like comes back to the door, and then she like puts her head back down again, and like waits. And it's just like the the interrogation is so fucking weird. So then finally he comes in. Detective Flores comes in and takes off her handcuffs. And he's like, he's like, Jody, you need to tell me like what happened. And she's like, OK, I'm going to be like so helpful. And then she doesn't she doesn't even ask like why she's there. She's just like, oh, yeah, I'm here to help. Like, I'll definitely help, even though clearly like she's arrested for the crime. Oh, no, it must be a misunderstanding. I'm clearly here because I was his girlfriend and um, I'm trying to help you guys find the bad guy. Right. Any way possible, because I just loved him. We were so in love. So then, like, to your comment about her not knowing about the video cameras, there's, like, Uh a table behind the interrogation table. And on that table are, like, these two voice recorders. So she reaches back and grabs the voice recorders and she's like, oh, should we be recording this? Like, that would prove that she's innocent. And then yeah, because why would a guilty woman voluntarily record herself? 
I I don't know. Like her whole the whole thing is so fucking weird. And then Detective Flores was like, "No, we don't need those. Like it's not a big deal. I've I've <laughs> never been even recorded used those. this entire time. You yeah, they're like bitch. fucking old. We don't use those. And then she like pretends to be all like interested in them and is like looking at them and she's like, "Oh, these are cool," and like puts them back. So then, wow. Yeah. So then he he's like interrogating her, but she just like keeps rambling on about random stuff and going into like this great detail about stuff that doesn't even like Uh relate to the crime just kind of like it's like she's like stalling to try and figure out her story you know so she goes into like great detail about work appearing to be helpful yeah because she's going into such great detail but really she's just like going to know about my you didn't want a detailed itinerary of my road trip yeah and then when they (laughs) ask her questions about like the actual crime or travis or anything she kind of like she'll like deflect or she'll also like kind of not answer so like Uh one time they asked her about him and then she like talked about the post that she made about him like on social media but then she's like oh i had to take it down though because like i'm a photographer and i like made this post but then i thought it was like in bad taste or whatever but then i have like so many pictures and videos of travis that his family would want but i don't have access to them right now but it's like it's so okay. weird. She's like trying to like establish. I think she's trying to like establish a relationship with a family and be like, yeah. oh, I have nothing to hide because clearly like I'll send them pictures of him that I have because I'm like a photographer. Yeah, because they're not going to go talk to the family. They're just going to take her word for it that they're all cool. And actually like, you know, she, the family loves her and she's going to she was planning on making them a scrapbook of Travis. Yeah, or whatever the fuck. So the detective, like, has to keep redirecting her to, like, what's oh actually God. going on because she's just rambling. And then and then she, like, at some point she, like, rambles on about, like, her siblings and how she's, like, missing out on their lives. And then, and then she starts talking about, like, the Bible and she goes into detail about her sexual history and oh. then also how much she like loves the Bible. And then she like talks about how she was always the one that would suggest that she and Travis would pray because he was always really reluctant to pray. But then she'd be like, just kneel down and pray with me because she's like so devoted to God. Right. Even though he was the one that converted her. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure they didn't do much of they didn't do much of praying while uh, together. I mean, it I mean if that's what they're calling like, it. Right. Well, it's, it kind of seems like she was the one who was kind of directing that sexual relationship to keep him yeah. on the hook. And he was probably like, uh, okay, like went along with it. But yeah, I doubt that they were like praying together about it. I mean, there was probably a lot of like, you know, oh, gods and Jesus, but uh, I don't think in the way that the church likes. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. <laughs> but okay, so then, so then the officer like brings up Mimi, the girl mm. that Travis was interested in, and then right. she tries to like play it off like she was totally cool with him seeing her, and it didn't bother her at all, and that they like they could talk to each other about like you know potential. Mm-hmm like partners or whatever i don't know but anyway because she like didn't feel threatened by mimi because she knew that she was his one and only and he would come back to her but then she like mentioned she was like oh yeah he showed me her pictures on facebook but she like didn't really have a lot of pictures which i'm thinking like she stalked her she found out that he was interested in her and then stalked her on facebook like 
He, she probably found out that he was interested through his personal emails. Yeah, through emails for sure. <laughs> yes, she was crazy. And then at some point, like, she was left alone and she, like, did a handstand. <laughs> she's just fucking weird. And she's, like, laughing to herself and, like, humming. And I don't know. It was just, like, super, super bizarre. So then at some point, she was, like, sent back to the jail. And then they brought her back in to, like interrogate her again with like the good cop bad cop thing and whenever they asked her like any incriminating questions she would just like stop talking hmm. but it was like she'd stop talking to try and like figure out you know where she was gonna go from there what story she could come up with hmm. and then she kept asking to see pictures of travis like after he was dead oh no she was like can i see the pictures and the detective was like oh like do you want like before what happened or you want like what after what happened to him and she's like well I think just like after what happened to him it would just be like really helpful like for closure and stuff but really do you think that she wanted to see the pictures that they had found on the camera yeah or so I think she wanted those... to see if anything on there was incriminating yes. of her yeah okay. so she could make up a story about it right yeah like, she's like, trying to cover her ass so I can make yep yeah so she mm. does that multiple times and they're like no, we're. I don't think that's appropriate. We're not going to show you the pictures. And she's like, well, I just think that it would like be really helpful if you could just show me the pictures. So then, so then she goes into into her story of what happened. She like made oh, up the story. Tell us, Joey. So here's the story. Joey, tell us, Jody, what happened? He was kneeling in the shower, and mm-hmm. then praying. And then she doesn't like really remember what happened, but she was like going through the pictures on the camera, and mm-hmm. then she heard a gunshot. What? And she thought that he was shot, and then uh-huh. she was knocked out. Uh-oh, intruders. And then she came to, and she saw uh-huh. two people there. Ah, of course. And then she put her hand on his back and was like, what's going on? Are you okay? Because he was, like, on the ground. And then he was like, go get help, go get help. So that that's when she, like, turned and saw a girl and a guy. And Travis was, like, screaming the whole time. But then she mentioned he wasn't screaming like a girl. Oh, he well, was kind of like a manly oh, oh, I don't know. Mm. But do so you then, think that she was just like? I mean, she's in the. They're in the bathroom. Do you think she just looked in the mirror and saw them and was like, "There's two more people in here." Yeah. So that's kind of like, that's kind of. Um, wow, I am a detective. Yeah, yeah. So like psychologically, a lot of people think that this story was kind of like, like what she what she was doing. Like she was the woman in the story, right? Who was like, yeah, like. yeah. That, so, yeah, so like it's kind of close to the truth of what happened. And so, she's like, well, I didn't do it because I disassociated. And, and then, well, like, I wouldn't even give whatever. her that much credit. I think that, okay. I think that she's just not well, so clever enough. Maybe that's enough. what she's trying to. She's not clever enough uh, to come up with a story. So she's like, yeah. well, I'm just going to tell the story of what happened, but then make it seem like other people did it. Right. So they won't right, accuse me the of evidence, it. Because then the evidence would be there and she can be like, oh, yeah, that bloody palm print. That was mine. Sort of. But she's not that smart. Oh, damn it. Yeah. So I keep giving her too much credit. Yeah, you do. No, she's very she's not she's not very smart. <laughs> Remember, she not to say that like people who drop out of school aren't smart, but she dropped out at, in the 11th grade. So right. she has like that kind of and I don't think that she like, you know, pursued knowledge or <laughs> any kind of no, it seems development like she pursued- after that. She pursued people that she was stalking and then focused on that yeah. 100%. And I'm sure there are and margaritas. plenty of people margaritas and stalking. drop out of school and are like intelligent, but it seems like she didn't, she didn't sure, school's mature not beyond the 11th grade mindset. Right. In my opinion. So, so then she runs to the closet 
And then the guy of the intruder couple, they uh-huh. he held a gun at her head and was like, oh. then he ordered the girl to kill her. He's like, take ah. care of her. Uh, so then she's like, she draws this diagram. He has the interrogator has like paper and she like brings and it out. Crayons. Yeah, basically, <laughs> yes. She's like acting it out. She's like, okay, well, imagine if the shower is here. Okay, wait, wait. Imagine if the shower is here and then I'm standing here and she does this whole thing and then she like draws it out on paper. So then, and then she's like drawing this diagram and then talk, and then she's like, oh well, my phone was dead during this time and I like didn't have my charger, so I couldn't charge my phone. And the police this whole time are just, like, sitting there, like, not even trying to interject. They're like, let's just see where she goes with all this yeah, he's nonsense. Like, yeah, he's kind of like, okay, we need the real story. And she's just, like, going on and on. So then so then she describes the girl in the story as kind of the aggressor, which you're right, because uh-huh. she was, like, the aggressor. The yep. one who wanted to, like, kill them all. And then the guy yep. was like, we need to, like, think about this. And then, and then she was like, oh, yeah, they, like, they knew him, but it didn't seem like he recognized them. Which I feel like that's, you know, telling that he knew Jody, but he probably didn't recognize her as she was murdering him because he didn't think right. that she would take it that far. Right. So in his eyes it's was probably like, like horror this... and like not recognition. Yeah, because as far as he knows, like, yeah, she's kind of nuts. She's sneaking in through her his dog door, showing up at all hours of the night. Yeah. But then they like have sex and he's like, OK, maybe this is fine. Still creepy, but well, and whatever. I don't think. I mean, we're not really taught about stalkers. Like, I don't think people Mm-mm. understand how far it can how go. How dangerous yeah. they are. Yeah. yeah. It's not just like, oh, she's got like a little crush on me and like climbs into my doggy door to break <laughs> into my house. It's like, no, this bitch is crazy and has rage issues and yeah. will murder you. So then in her story, the woman has a knife and mm-hmm. she's like fighting off this woman. Mm. And then Travis, and she's like, come on, Travis, let's get out of here. Let's go. And he's like, I can't. I can't feel my legs. And then at some point, the couple's like outside of the bathroom, and they're like talking about what they're going to do. And the dude's like, uh-huh. the, the woman's like, oh, we got to kill them. And the guy was like, no, we can't. And then and then at some point, they like find Jody's wallet where she has her car insurance. So they're fighting them yeah. in the bathroom. Then yeah. the the. the the two intruders are like, hang on, guys. We're yeah. we're going to step out. Shut the door. We're just going to pop out ourselves. real quick. Yeah. yeah, while you guys are like trying to get mm-hmm. it together. And also there was a gunshot and the only gunshot was through his head. Yeah. But somehow he's able to be like, oh, I'm not feeling so great, Jody. Yeah. We should probably get out of here. Yes. Uh-huh. Okay. Yes. Sounds logical. More like Jody's like the hero where she's like, we got to get out of here and I'll yeah. fight the woman. And the woman's like, time out, time out. We're going to step outside <laughs> real quick. We're just going to shut this door. Yeah. We'll talk, talk amongst ourselves. Talk about amongst ourselves, yeah. So then, <laughs> so then they find her uh, car insurance card or whatever, where it has Jody's ID. Uh-huh. And and then the guy was like, "We will kill you and your family if you tell anyone oh. about this." And then okay. they let her go. Because uh, he was like, "Oh, this isn't about uh, you. This is about him. So we'll let you go." Even though you just like saw our yeah. faces, witnessed us murdering your supposed boyfriend yes well we're gonna let you go yes okay and she was Mm -hmm. like well i wasn't even worried about my life i was worried about my family's life Uh uh-huh yeah Mm -hmm. okay so then (laughs) and then like she doesn't account for like the the reason that she called travis's phone later that night and left that weird rambling message 
Yeah, she's like, okay, so you're dying. You guys are killing him. Mm-hmm. I'm going to drive like 100 miles out, mm-hmm. and then I'm going to call him and be like, hey, hon, I miss you. How's it going? It's so weird. I was on this road trip and got lost. Yep. It's so crazy. Yeah. Oh, Jody, your story is unraveling very quickly. Yes. So then after, she's, after she talks, like says that story, for eight minutes, she goes into detail about the assailants. For eight minutes. And the detective didn't ask about them because he knew it was like a fake story. Uh So she just like goes on and on. He's just sitting there like, holy fuck. Like, this is insane. So then what he does is he has her write a letter to Travis's family because Uh he's like, maybe she'll like confess something here if we can get her to like write a letter. But of course, the letter is just like self-serving. And she's just so sorry that she couldn't save him from the assailants and whatever. And obviously, he never mailed the letter. But Mm mm-hmm. So then after that happens, she tells that same story to every news station who contacts her. So she's all over the news, like pretending to be this sweet, innocent person, telling Uh this crazy story. Like if this had just happened to you and you're like boyfriend, ex-boyfriend, whatever, was just murdered by these people and you're sitting there just being like, oh, I'm just so helpful. And yeah, it was just like the craziest thing. They just like broke in and they were going to kill me. But then, and then when you think your life is in danger, like if these people had broken yeah. in and now killed him and then threatened you and your family, and yeah, like, hey, then you're all over the news. And it's not just one news place. It's like, yeah, oh, who, who's next? I have yeah. more stories to tell. Yes. Yes. Wow. Yes. So then, like, when it comes down to it, she actually gave three different accounts of what happened that night. Uh-huh. So originally, she hadn't been there, and she hadn't seen Travis in two months. Right. Then it was the intruders that broke in. Yeah. And then finally, when she goes to court, she said that she had to kill Travis in self-defense uh, because uh-huh. she was a battered woman. Ah, uh, yes. You know, you know... How you can tell she's a battered woman because mm. he never let her come through the front door. It was always the dog door. So, yes, I could tell. Thank you, Jody, for clearing that up. This bitch. <laughs> so at some point she said that she said that Travis and she were like so distrustful of each other that they shared their Facebook and MySpace and Gmail passwords. Because they were okay. like, oh, we can, like, fix their relationship if we just, like, give each other you access live to in everything. Two completely different states. Mm-hmm. If that's true, just fucking block each other and move on. Well, no, because they're trying to fix their relationship because they were meant to be together. Right. Yeah. Because God told them, I bet. So then this is, like, amazing. At some point, she asked to represent herself in court. Oh, Yes. And then she submitted letters to the court that she said that Travis had written saying that he was a pedophile. Oh, in her handwriting? Uh, yeah, there are bound to be forgeries, obviously. And the judge was like, you're in over your head. I'm not going to let you represent yourself. You're out of your mind. And so then she got a defense team reinstated in December of 2011. Shit. Yeah. But then in 2011, at some point, her attorney that was pointed to her withdrew from the case. Uh, she's yeah, like, I can't like, handle this. Yeah, she's like, anytime I try and like do anything to be helpful, Jody ruins it and won't keep yeah. her stupid mouth shut. So finally, like years after the murder, on January 2nd, 2013, opening statements start. Opening arguments. Okay. So the prosecutor, Juan Martinez, sought the death penalty. Uh-huh. 
Jody was represented by like three attorneys, basically, who argued that Travis's death was justifiable homicide committed in self-defense. Where it's oh, like yeah. self-defense where you have to stab that many times yes! with his throat and shoot him in the head. Yes. Yep. Not only mm-hmm. that, but like, okay, if if Jody had just like kept her mouth shut from the beginning, <laughs> maybe, maybe, probably not. If she had not tried but to cover her tracks like that, like could have convinced you know, something. calling him and leaving the voicemail, if she had just like uh-huh. left, like uh-huh. maybe it could have been more convincing. But the fact that she tried so hard to cover it up and then came up with like two different stories and then was like on the news everywhere, like, mm-mm, mm-mm. And I'm sorry, like, I know we were just talking about how hard it is to escape an abusive relationship and you tend to go back and like, yeah, maybe that was her excuse. But bro, you're in a completely other, different state. If, if this is an abusive relationship, don't come back. But on the flip side, like Travis was in... He was the survivor. Well, it didn't of survive, course, but he yeah. was the victim of this abusive relationship. Of, of course. So he That's, lived in yeah. a different state, and he was so glad when she moved away. And then she kept coming back. But like in his, in her mind, if she's trying to convince them right. that she's this battered woman, why are you going to his home state when you could clearly stay away from him? Yeah, I don't. Yeah. Well, none of her, none of her shit makes sense. Right. <laughs> so prosecution argued that since a twenty-five caliber round was found near Travis's body, and a week before. Like, basically, that same gun went missing from her grandparents' mm-hmm. house that she obviously, like, staged the burglary and used the gun yep. to kill Travis. Sounds about right. The defense repeated parts of Jody's diary where she referred to him as a good man and a blessing in her life. And at some point... Oh, I told you know you what? That. I wonder if those intruders from the murder went and stole the wrote, gun from her grandparents. And then wrote the diary entries. And then wrote the diary. Mm-hmm. Yes. Diabolical. <laughs> So then I already told you that the defense's argument was that she had Travis sit down or he sat down at some point and she stabbed him in the heart. Right. And they said that... I'm kind of thinking maybe it was like a... So they think that the gunshot was probably like the last thing that happened, that he was shot last. And yeah, it seems like it to like make sure he's dead. Right. And there wasn't like a lot of blood that came from the from okay. the gunshot. Yeah. And so they also like introduced emails between the two. On cross-examination, the defense attorney asked Detective Flores whether Travis referred to Jody as a slut and a whore, to which he had to say, yeah. But uh, like, uh, uh, I don't know. I personally wouldn't refer to anyone as a slut or a whore. But, I mean, Travis told her things like, you've ruined my life or you're, like, horrible or whatever. Like, I don't know. Well, and right. with At his, like, point, religious like, work, like, maybe he was emailing if, friends and was like, I can't marry her because she's, like, a whore. That's, like, a biblical term. I don't know. Or, I mean, even just, like, the simple fact that, may, you know, she's psycho and he's, like, scared of her. And yeah. he's, like, telling his friends how much of a piece of shit she is. And so he's using strong words that, you know... Maybe aren't the nicest, but maybe in the moment he's like, this fucking crazy ass bitch, whatever, (laughs) you know, like, don't, don't trust her. She's a crazy whore or whatever, you know. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. But it's just like, that's really loose to like base this whole, he was an abuser thing off of. Because he said some mean things about her. (laughs) Yeah. And then at some point, um, Travis wrote to Jody. I think I was little more than a dildo with a heartbeat to you. 
Wow. Ouch. Ouch. Well, it's like you said if before, it seemed like that was the driving part of their relationship. And if yeah. she's constantly like, this is what we do, sex, sex, sex. Yep. And he was just like, I feel like I'm just being used by you. Yeah. Which he kind of was. Mm-hmm. But in her mind, like, that was the way to get him hooked. Like, right. he can't leave. If he keeps saying yes to me, that means that he really wants to be with me. Right. So then one of Jody's attorneys told jurors that Jody acted in self-defense because Travis lunged at her in anger after she dropped his new camera. She said <sighs> Jody's life was in danger. He knocked her to the ground in the bathroom where there was a struggle. If she did not have to defend herself, she would not be here. Uh, bullshit. Yeah, what about the overkill? Defending yourself is one thing, but you'd think that you would defend yourself to a point where you could escape and then run. Yeah, once like, he's incapacitated, like, get yeah, the fuck out. Or, like, once gonna, you like, shoot him in the head. Then his throat and shoot his head. And if you're in the... Why, why, first of all, are you in the bathroom with a knife and a gun if your intent isn't to harm? Mm-hmm. It doesn't make any sense. Mm-hmm. How would she be able to grab a knife to defend herself in the bathroom? Well, we'll find out. So here's the other well, best part. cake in there? Some steaks? <laughs> here's the other best part. Jody took the stand in her own defense. You go, Because girl. in your narcissistic <laughs> mind, you think you can uh-huh. explain it all away. Yep, I'll clear this right up. Except They'll believe for me. you forget that the prosecution gets to ask questions, and I don't think that she was prepared <laughs> for that. So on February 14th, 2013, she took the stand. She testified for 18 days. Holy shit. Bitch has a lot to say. You're on the jury. You're like, get the fuck off the stand. I'm so sick of hearing you talk <laughs> for like, 18 we're ready fucking to, we days. Were, we were ready to vote on the first day. <laughs> <laughs> it seems pretty open and shut to me. I don't know. <laughs> I do not need to hear what you had for lunch. How you make the perfect margarita. How you what love you were God. Doing on, I'm so sick yeah, of what, hearing what you about did your on prayers. Easter last year. <laughs> so Just, on... On day one, she talked about being violently abused by her parents, beginning when Mm. she was about seven years old. Okay. Then she testified that she did rent a car in Reading, but that was because a budget website gave her two options. One was to the north and one to the south, and her brother lived in Reading, so she chose Reading. Okay. It's just like like inane detail what you rented a car because you were given a choice to rent a car yeah she just rambles and rambles and thinks like the more detail she adds the more validity there is to her story Uh uh-huh so on the second day on the stand she talked about her sex life with of course travis which she said that they at first they only did oral and anal sex because that's because god doesn't matter yeah god doesn't care about that yeah that's right (laughs) So, but it was like painful at first, but then, but then it wasn't real sex. So it was okay. But she considered it real sex, but Travis didn't. So it was okay. Technically it wasn't against the Mormon rules. So Travis like pushed for it. Right. They're not sinning. The butthole is not sin. But then she (gasps) said they eventually had vaginal sex, but less often. Oh no. Oh no. They're sinners. And then they played a phone sex tape. Oh, my. who recorded it? I think Jody did. Okay, Jody. Yeah, uh, which goes on about some like weird little red white Riding Hood thing that they're I don't know. But anyway, <laughs> and then and then she said that Travis was a pedophile, uh-huh. and she'd like walked in one time when he was on his computer looking at child pornography, and oh, that. Mm-hmm. 
she figured, though, that if she could, if she slept with him, then he'd feel more normal and then he oh. wouldn't like have urges anymore. Right. So really, she was sacrificing herself. Right. It's like the the pray the gay away thing, only yes. like pedophiles. It's like, you're like, fuck the if pedophile If you just away. find the right woman, <laughs> yeah. you will be fine. Yeah. Not okay. to mention that he like broke up with her. And was like trying to like date other women, but she's like, I'm the one who's going to cure him of his pedophilia. Right. These other women don't even know about his sick, disgusting behavior. If he could just sleep with a woman, they're not going to sleep with him because they're Mormon. But if he could just sleep with a woman, we can save him. I mean, let's be honest. If if he sleeps with the the Mormons, it's going to be in the butt, and that's not that doesn't the count. way to save the gays. That doesn't or count. The pedophiles. Yeah. You gotta. Yep. That doesn't got count. It. Do it as God intended. That's right. So, <laughs> so then she testified that their relationship got uh, increasingly abusive, physically and emotionally. Mm-hmm. She said that. I believe that from her end, though. <laughs> at some point, Travis shook her while saying, I'm fucking sick of you, and then began <laughs> screaming at her, after which he body slammed her to the floor at the foot of his bed. Mm, and then. I, mean, I kind of believe. If I if she was stalking me yeah. and coming in my house and like not taking no for an answer, I kind of m- would believe. A, you like, might shake her shake, and be like, you know, "I'm so sick of you! Like, fucking go away!" Like, what is wrong with you? <laughs> I locked my doors. Stay out. <laughs> it's like in the old movies where like a woman's getting hysterical and they smack yeah, her in the face, and she's like, "Oh, her. thank you." It's like, oh, okay, <laughs> yeah. yeah, sure, snap her out of it. So then after he body slammed her, he said, don't act like that hurts. And then he called her a bitch and kicked her in the ribs. <laughs> oh, OK. Mm-hmm. So then afterwards, she said that he went to kick her again and she like put mm. her hand out and she held up her left hand in court, showing that her ring finger was crooked. <laughs> <laughs> crooked. She's just like holding it sideways, like at an angle which i like like, look it's crooked my pointer fingers are crooked like fingers are just crooked yeah they're not straight lines fingers are crooked the tip of my middle finger is crooked you know (gasps) maybe that's from when i got kicked by a and you held your hand up who was telling me okay so the night the night of the murder Uh jody said that she dropped travis's camera and he body slammed her because he was so mad that she dropped the camera. He leapt out of the bathtub and body slammed her. Yeah. In and the, then, the bathroom. Okay. And then, so then this part gets kind of confusing. So I don't really, uh-huh. really understand what is happening. So she like ran to the closet and then she grabbed his gun that she had seen a month earlier in the corner <sighs> of his closet. And okay. then, and then somehow they both got back into the bathroom and then he mm-hmm. lunged at her and the gun went off accidentally. So when she said, so she says that he does like this linebacker lunge at her. And then the, the defense or the prosecutor goes, okay, can you like show me, demonstrate to me like how he lunged at you? And she mm-hmm. like, so she like stands up and she's like outside of the little testifying box. And she's like, well, he, and she, in the, the prosecuting attorney's like, no, no, don't say anything. Just show me, like physically, like show me the position that he was in. Mm-hmm. She literally cannot not talk. So every time she's like, well, he just got like this. And he's like, no, don't say anything. Just do it. Just show me the position. And she's like, OK, well, he like, oh, my God, it's so ridiculous. So then finally she like gets in that crouch, crouch position 
She's talking the whole time. Like, she cannot stop talking. It's insane. Oh, my God. So then she, like, shows this position, this, like, linebacker, mm-hmm. like, going at it. And then she said that he, like, grabbed her around the waist. And then they, like, both fell. Mm-hmm. And then he's, like. How he- big is this bathroom? <laughs> I don't <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. But he's, like, kind of on top of her. But then, like, to the side of her. And he's, like, trying to get on top of her um, mm-hmm. while he's shot in the head. So he has been shot in the head and he's like trying to get on top of her. Uh-huh. And then at some point he yelled something like fucking kill you, bitch. And then she didn't remember uh-huh. anything after that. Right. At some point. OK, so then based on the pictures that were taken mm-hmm. over the course of 62 seconds. Right. They wrestle. He yeah. says fucking kill you, bitch. She goes and finds a knife from somewhere. Comes after- back. Stabs him 27 times and slits his throat. Wait, but this also includes, so he's in the bath. She's doing a photo shoot. Right. She drops the camera. He lunges at her. They tussle. She somehow gets out, goes and finds his gun, comes back into the bathroom, shoots him. They wrestle some more. Then she goes and finds a knife, comes back into the bathroom and stabs him all within 62 seconds. Yes. Huh. Yep. Sounds logical. Yeah. And then multiple Were times they all during on this speed or something, Jesus. <laughs> during this testimony, like several times, the story like changes. Like when the fog sets in, changes. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. so then she didn't call the police because if she'd like called the police, then they would know that they were in an abusive relationship, and then she'd have to tell them that the reason why she's still in the relationship was because he was a pedophile, and she was trying to change him to not be a pedophile, and she was just trying to preserve his reputation. As now someone who's bleeding out a dead person, yeah. she's like, I'm not going to call help yeah, because then he's going to get found out as a pedophile and right. I don't want to tarnish his good name. Yep. This abuser. Sounds logical. I don't mm-hmm. want to get this abuser in trouble for also being That's, a pedophile. Uh, yep. Uh-huh. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And then I'm going to drive I'm for like fucking totally, hours totally and call following. you and leave a message because I forgot that I had just killed you. Because, you know. Yeah. Well, the she must have just blacked in. out from the trauma. And she did. She had. Wound up. Amnesia. Found out that she she probably just woke up 100 miles away in the desert and was like, yeah. oh, my God, my road trip really went awry. Well, I wonder and, what happened. I should call my boyfriend. Right. So I didn't put this in there. But then. um, So her phone was off this whole time until she, like, called him. And right. then the detective was like, yeah, what happened there? And she's like, oh, well, funny thing. I lost my phone charger. Right. And my phone was dead. So I was like uh-huh. driving forever. And then he's like, okay, but then at some point you found your charger. And she's like, oh, yeah, I found it under this the passenger car seat. And he's like, oh. okay, so at some point you're like driving for hours. You decide to look for your charger. You happen mm-hmm. to find it. Then you plug your phone in under and charge a car it. Seat. Uh-huh. And then you call him. Right. Mm-hmm. This totally believe everything you're telling us jody (laughs) and then the other part of it is if she really so what they call when when someone is in like a traumatic situation like that and they do actually like blackout it's called disassociative amnesia Uh if she had really had disassociative amnesia she would have been more chaotic she wouldn't have tried to cover up the crime scene. She wouldn't right. have tried to like plant that call and pretend that she wasn't anywhere near him. It would have been like a when like 
when a battered person actually kills their abuser, they yeah. c- it can happen that it's overkill. But usually yeah. what happens after that is like chaos, basically. Yeah. It's just kind of like, oh, fuck, I got to get out of here and like save myself, basically. It's not uh-huh. like, oh, let me wipe down this body now and then like pretend I was never here. Right. I mean, I, I don't know if this is true, but I, I've heard that like in some instances like that, the even if the abuser is clearly dead the abuse victim doesn't necessarily understand that they're dead and they're still fearful of the person so their goal is to just get out and not be attacked more by this person yeah you want to like kill the fuck out of them and then go (laughs) yeah yeah because you don't want to make them mad if they survive and then they're mad then you're fucked yeah, I'm guessing rarely ever do they drive hundreds of miles and then make a phone call and they're like, hey, babe, just call and check in. We should go to the theater next month. Smooches. <laughs> <laughs> so on top of all this, um, Jody tried to kill herself, apparently, four different times, but mm-hmm. failed every time. I'm sure. The first time she tried to kill herself, in quotes loosely, was mm-hmm. before she was put in jail. And then the second time was when she was in jail. And I guess the third and fourth were when she was in jail. So in September of 2008, when she was on that like interview TV news junket, at one point she said, no jury is ever going to convict me oh. because I'm innocent. You okay. can mark my words on that. Okay. Uh, <laughs> and then on the stand... The prosecutor asked her about that statement, and she said, Mm -hmm. at the time of the interview, I had plans to commit suicide, so I was extremely confident that no jury would convict me because I didn't expect any of you to be here. But you mean you didn't expect to be here because you expected to be dead? Well, also, except that she said that it was because she was innocent, not because she was going to kill herself. So once again, her story has changed. She cannot keep track of her story. She can't. So obviously she was and found. And I doubt a person like her would actually try to commit suicide. It's all just like sympathy and like she, attention. Yeah, she's not trying to kill herself for real. No. It's all sympathy. So they obviously found her guilty, obviously. Uh-huh. At the end of the guilty phase, uh, the jury's foreman said about her testimony that it didn't do her any good. He said, <laughs> yeah, she should have just <laughs> shut the fuck up. I think 18 days hurt her. I think she was not a good witness. No. (laughs) (laughs) So um, during the trial, the defense called a psychologist to testify for nearly six days. I cannot imagine getting this trial as a juror. That would suck so bad. It's just like so many days of your life wasted over this bitch. It would have been just so nuts to see this all play out, though. Yeah, but okay, but after day like three of her on the stand, are you just like, shut up? Like, we know you yes. did it and we know you're guilty. Like, shut <laughs> up. <laughs> but also, like, kind of curious what else is going to come out her mouth? <laughs> <laughs> no, watch the interrogation. She just rambles and you're just kind of like, shut up. <laughs> I'm done. I can't. I cannot. You weren't charmed? I was not. I did not fall for her <laughs> shit. She was just annoying. She was so annoying. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she was like, oh, Travis was like always reluctant to pray. And I'd be like, come on, Travis, just pray with me. And he would be like, oh, I don't know. 
Like, shut up. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so the psychologist for the defense who testified for six days, he said that Jody was suffering from acute stress at the time of the killing, which sent her body into fight or flight mode to defend herself, which caused her brain to stop retaining memory. When a juror asked whether this scenario could occur even if this was a premeditated murder, Mm -hmm. um, he said... Yeah, it's possible. Is it uh, probable? Huh. No. But selective amnesia, I think, is pretty probable. Uh, okay. He also diagnosed Jody with post-traumatic stress disorder. and From what? I don't know. And the prosecutor asked him about his credibility, accusing him of forming a relationship with Jody and being biased. Mm. He had previously testified... He had compassion for Jody. Mm-mm. Then another another psychotherapist who specializes in domestic violence testified that Jody was a victim of domestic abuse. And oh, what the hell? that most victims don't tell anyone about the abuse because they feel ashamed and humiliated. Uh-huh. She summarized from emails. She summarized emails from Travis's close friends, basically saying that that the friends advised Jody to get out of the relationship and that Travis has been abusive to women. But I'm his thinking friends advise, his friends advised her to get out. Yeah. But I'm thinking they're probably just like, you need to stop Leave him dating alone. Him. Yeah. yeah. And they're telling, I'm, I'm sure they're telling her anything they can think of to get her to leave him alone. Well, especially if they know that she's got to play the victim card and stuff, then they might think maybe she'll leave him alone if they're like, yeah, you guys aren't good together, you know, like, yeah. he's not good for you. You should probably leave and go find someone that's better for you. Yeah. In a way of just like, get the fuck yeah. out because she's not going to respond well to that. Yes. Yeah. Or like, or even like, oh, because she's just like, oh, he's like the best person ever. I just love him. Just being like, no, he's not. Like, you don't even know him. Yeah. Like, he's not yeah. that great of a guy. Like, just get out right. of there. Save yourself kind of a thing. Right. So then the prosecution obviously had their own psychologist testify. And this psychologist said that Jody did not suffer from PTSD or amnesia and mm-hmm. that she found no evidence that she had been abused by yeah. Travis. Instead, she said that Jody was t- suffering from borderline personality disorder, Sounds showing signs of immaturity and uh-huh. an unstable sense of identity. Uh-huh. She said the people who suffer from such a disorder have a terrified feeling of being abandoned by others. This makes more sense. And that she was chameleon-like and volatile and quick to infatuation and equally quick to hate. Okay, that sounds like a logical uh, diagnosis. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so <laughs> the final defense witness was a psychologist who said that the borderline diagnosis was not appropriate and that all the tests taken by Jody since her arrest pointed to an anxiety disorder stemming from trauma. He also said that the tests indicated that she answered questions honestly without lying. Oh, but then per, these psychologists or whatever need their degrees taken away. <laughs> well, yeah. And the other thing is like with borderline personality disorder comes a lot of manipulation. 
Yes. And if you're not like this was years after she had actually killed Travis. So if you're Uh not asking them about it, like right then she's had years to like come up with explanations. She's had years to come up with like a traumatic backstory. She's had like years to come up with like reasons or ways to Mm -hmm. manipulate these people who are questioning her. And how are you going to tell if they're answering without lying? Like, well, I'm assuming that they interviewed her family too. Her parent. I mean, because she said that she was like horribly abused by her parents. Is that does that hold any water? I don't know. I don't know where her parents fit into this. I don't know if they were still alive or what. Like, I don't know anything. Oh, about that's right. Her. She was with her grandparents. Yeah, she's living with her grandparents. Well, I don't know. I don't know if they were like questioning grandparents or whatever. But the thing about the thing about Jody is the way that she would tell lies. It did seem like she believed them, and she probably right. did believe her own lies. Right. Like it got to the point where. She was just like making shit up on the spot. And I feel like a lot of people who kind of do lie a lot or are pathological liars or whatever, they could come off as like not lying while they're lying their asses off because they believe it. Right. And it's so normal for them to lie that it doesn't seem like it doesn't like set off the red flags of normal people when they're lying. And a neuropsychologist testified that the person who said that like she wasn't lying and like took all these tests or whatever said that the tests that they give her weren't geared towards diagnosing borderline personality disorder. Mm, So you're not going to find it. (laughs) Which I feel like borderline personality disorder could be similar to an anxiety disorder. Sure. So I feel like, you know, the symptoms could be similar. So they were just like, they just like misdiagnosed her by giving her the wrong test. And also, like you said, with borderline, you kind of become a chameleon. So yeah. if if they're fishing for that or they're looking for it, you can hide it. Yeah, because you don't have like a real strong sense of identity. So you just kind of like become who other people want you to be or think that you are. And she was right. really holding on to this, like appearing to be this sweet, helpful, like good Mormon girl. Mm-hmm. So I feel like you could, after like four years of being in jail, you could learn how to play that off. Well, yeah, like I remember if I'm remembering correct, her in court, she wore like, you know, very almost like turtleneck type clothes, like very, yeah, very um, modest, modest, yeah. very and like her hair like tied back or like in like a half pony. Yeah. Like, younger. She did. Like, she had like the side half pony thing. Yeah. Like you look young and like innocent yeah. and like demure. And... Yeah. Like not crazy makeup or anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So in closing arguments on May 4th, Jody's defense argued that the premeditation theory didn't make sense and that the relationship was a relationship of chaos that didn't end mm-hmm. well, basically. I believe that. And, <laughs> and nothing about what happened looked planned and that basically she just snapped. Like everything that she had gone through, she snapped. Except you brought a gun all the way across state lines. Yeah, you staged a burglary at your grandparents' house weeks before. Right. You murdered him. Took a gun across state lines. Yeah. And then. And the gas cans. Yeah, that planning of like. And renting a car. And then after the killing, going and making the phone call, being like, hey, haven't heard from you in a while. Mm-hmm. And throwing the camera in the washing machine. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So in rebuttal, the prosecution was like, that shit crazy. Described all of Travis's <laughs> wounds. Yeah. Said that there was never any evidence that he abused her. 
Nothing mm-hmm. indicated that it was anything more than murder, that she was just yep. crazy and couldn't leave him alone. And she was a stalker and she got wind that he was like leaving her for real to go to like mm-hmm. Mexico with someone else. And she yeah. flipped because Jody testified for 18 days <laughs> and it was like such a long trial they had a lot of like we hate yeah you. they had a lot of trouble holding on to jury members oh god yeah one was dismissed for misconduct <laughs> so the defense was like mistrial and the judge was like fuck no we're not starting this over again <laughs> and then another was excused for health reasons and then a third juror was dismissed because they were arrested for a dui because they're probably like, I can't <laughs> take like, this. I've got a drink. <laughs> I can't take this anymore. <laughs> so on May 8th, 2013, after... They just fi- like, they like purposely got a DUI because they were like, I know it will get me they're off like, the jury. This, this is worth it. I don't care. <laughs> Shit. I don't care. I can't do this anymore. This bitch is crazy. <laughs> so on May 8th, 2013, after 15 hours of deliberation, she was found guilty on first-degree murder charge. Ooh. Out of the 12 jurors, five jurors found her guilty of first-degree premeditated murder, and mm-hmm. seven found her guilty of both first-degree premeditated murder and felony murder. Oh, good. As the guilty verdict was read, Jody struggled to repress her tears. And Travis's family smiled and hugged each other. Uh-huh. And then she's like interviewed after that. And she's like, oh, I just kind of went blank. I just don't even like know what oh, happened. Oh, I had that basically. amnesia the again. amnesia came back. I don't know. <laughs> and then there were some intruders that came in. And then they said guilty. But and they, they threatened were just me intruders. and my family. They and then said, said you're going to rot gonna in hell. They said we're going to get you. <laughs> so after that, since they wanted the death penalty, prosecution had to convince the jury that the murder was cruel, heinous, or depraved. The aggravation phase of the trial started on May 15th, 2013. The only witness was the medical examiner who performed the autopsy. I feel like that's mm. case closed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Jody's attorneys, who had repeatedly asked to step down from the case... Gave only oh. brief opening statements and closing arguments in which they said the adrenaline rushing through Travis's body may have prevented him from feeling much pain during his death. Oh, so it's okay. Yeah. It is no big deal. <laughs> Jeez. Prose- the prosecutor showed It's not photos. really heinous because he didn't feel it. He like, hardly felt a thing. Ah. Oh, my God. The prosecutor showed photos of Travis's body and the crime scene. And then he paused for two minutes of silence to illustrate how long he said it would take for Travis to die at Jody's hands. Shit. That's impactful. Yeah. After less than three hours of consideration, the jury determined that Jody was eligible for the death penalty. On May 21st, 2013, Jody offered an allocution during which she pleaded for a life sentence. Like right so right after she was found guilty before the like death penalty part of it, she like mm-hmm. did that interview where she's like, Oh, I blacked out or whatever. And then she was like, I I would rather they give me the death penalty because because I would rather like die now than have to like live this oh, yeah, torturous life or whatever. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh but then she changed her mind and, and pleaded for her life. And during that, she said, each time I said that, meaning that she wanted to 
do the death penalty instead. I meant it, mm-hmm. but I lacked perspective. Until very recently, I could not imagine standing before you and asking you to give me life. She said that she changed her mind to avoid bringing more pain to the members of her family who were in the courtroom. And uh-huh. then and then she said that like when I was here last time or at some point, my hair was down to my waist and then I donated it and I plan on <gasps> donating it more. Wow. And see, so you got to give me more life because the longer I live, the longer my hair and the and more then, wigs I can make. Then she's like, I designed this T-shirt and she held up a white T-shirt oh, with the word survivor my. written in oh. like purple and she's like i'm going to sell this t-shirt and donate all the proceeds to victims of domestic violence what (laughs) the fuck uh you made a survivor shirt uh and you're the abuser Uh uh-huh you psycho bitch but she donated her hair oh it's so nice she just (laughs) donated hair that totally brings back some human being's life so on may 23rd 2013 the sentencing phase resulted in a hung jury Mm. so there was a mistrial and Mm -hmm. the votes were eight to four in favor of death yeah and then just for like a little added goodness to this this crazy story (laughs) She manipulated a cellmate of hers into letting her tattoo her name on her. Letting Jody tattoo yes. Jody's name yes. on her cellmate. Yes. So <laughs> Tracy Brown, now Tracy Brown Baring, who married someone else that she was in jail with. <laughs> oh no, um, this woman, not good choices. She met Jody a month after she was booked into Estrella Jail, a women's prison facility in Phoenix, Arizona. She was arrested on kidnapping charges Whoa. in the summer of 2008. And then a month later, Jody became her cellmate after she was like moved from the jail in California. Tracy thought that Jody was a good cellmate who would sing to her every night. And she had the voice of an angel. And okay. Jody would often draw in their cell. So she was like, oh, you know what? Since you're a good drawer, since you're always drawing, why don't you do my tattoos? So she had t- Jody tattoo a bird alongside a musical note on her calf with oh. Jody's name inside the bird. <laughs> then she said that part of the reason why she let Jody do that is because Jody told her that she was going to kill herself. And she, like, oh. told her the suicide plan. Uh-huh. So she eventually let Jody give her six tattoos while they were in jail together. Whoa, whoa, whoa. So she's like, I'm going to kill myself unless I have the opportunity no. to do some no, sick no. tattoos. No, no, not even. No. She was like, I'm going to kill myself. Uh-huh. And then this woman was like, okay, well, before you kill yourself... Why don't uh, you give so me she some was, tattoos? Like, trying to buy more time. Like, and then it was kind can... of like, you know, it's probably like an in memoriam tattoo for Jody, where it was like, oh, you give me this tattoo of the songbird so I can remember you and how sweet you were. And she's like, oh, yeah, of course. Uh... Turns out, bitch didn't kill herself. <laughs> and so, now you have Jody's name tattooed on you. After they were locked up, after she didn't kill herself, and then after Tracy found out why she was really there and how psycho she really was, Mm 
She eventually got that tattoo covered up with a unicorn. And Jody has been stalking her ever since. And that's the saga of Jody. Oh, also, just one more added. Um, I think at some point in 2020, the prosecuting attorney got in trouble for like badgering witnesses or something. So then they were like trying to appeal her case, but then it was ruled that she did it and they weren't going to let her go or anything or redo it or whatever. So she's still in prison forever. Good. I mean, I'm not necessarily a fan of the death penalty, and I think it's stupid and should be abolished. But, you know, sometimes when you're just like... Well, she didn't yeah, get it. It was a hung jury. I know, no, I oh, know that. Okay, I no. know. But I went, But when you said that they were going for the death penalty, I was like, yeah. Yeah. But only because she's a yeah. piece of shit and, like, a verifiable piece of shit. <laughs> but uh, normally well, I don't. And like one it. of the symptoms, like, credit to the psychologist, one of the symptoms of borderline personality disorder is, like, suicidal attempts ideation or ideation like thinking of suicide telling people that you're going to kill yourself that's like one of the symptoms so i think that she for sure had borderline personality disorder she still does (laughs) clearly not getting help for it and the tossed salad and the scrambled egg a tossed salad a scrambled egg uh, I'm thinking she's got uh, a scrambled egg toss salad. You know, there's like definitely mental illness in there. Yeah, there is. But I also think that she's like competent and is aware yeah. of what she's doing. Yeah, yeah, she was trying to manipulate everyone. Yeah. And in the course of it, her story just got more and more bizarre and jumbled. It's like, okay, if you get arrested, just don't say shit. Let your attorney, like, come up with the story. Don't be saying shit. Never say a thing. Don't say a word. <laughs> we are not advising criminals, but just, in general, it's best. Shut the fuck up. I mean, honestly, had she not said anything, she, like, her still, like, she looks very guilty. She does. She may have had a better case for... Like the battered wife thing or the, you know, battered partner thing, maybe. Maybe. It would have been better than her coming up with like three different stories and going on the news. Although at that point, why don't you just like try for insanity? When you're like, well, I mean, you're going for it all anyway. (laughs) She's just like making shit up left and right. You just kind of like throw the pasta on the wall and see what sticks. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, because she's out of her mind. Uh The fact that she wanted to represent herself just shows how, like, sociopathic she is, where she's like, I can explain it away. Uh, If you just give me a chance, I can explain it away. And it was, like, super clear, apparently, when she was on the stand, like, when the defense uh, was asking her questions, she had obviously, like, rehearsed it all. Mm-hmm. It was like, you know, pretty eloquent and whatever. But then as soon as prosecution starts asking her questions, she like but didn't she wasn't prepared for. Yeah. And she didn't want to agree with anything they said. So she would kind of like she would get this like deer and headlights kind of look. And then she'd like kind of try and think about like, how do I not agree with this person when he's asking me mm. to like verify my story? Right. It was crazy. You should watch it. It's like so huh. bizarre. I mean, I think she's a toss salad because even if she does have borderline personality disorder, which I think she does, you can get help for it. You have to work really hard, like with any kind of, you know, mental health issue. You have to work really hard and you have to want it. But there are options for you. If you take it seriously and you actually want to get better, there are ways to kind of like get your symptoms under control. Whereas she was just like stalking this poor guy. Yeah, well, I think, I mean... And then murdered him because he wasn't going to take her to Mexico. You and I were... I think we were talking 
not on the podcast about it, but talking about stalkers and how they usually follow certain patterns and how similar they are. And it's like this, this mindset that's just like, are you even on the same planet that everyone else is on? You're just like so zeroed in on this person that you're stalking that you can't see anything around it. And it's weird because it seems like a very common mindset amongst people that stalk. Well, and it's the stupid thing where it's like, I'm doing all this really obvious stuff, but I think I'm going to get away with it because a lot of times they do get away with it though, because the police can't do things until it becomes murder. And then the police are like, oops, like, Right. Now Up we can prosecute then it's like, them, well, but they're not hurting you physically. They're standing outside your house looking at you, but we can't stop them from standing on like a public street yeah. or whatever. Yeah. And so the well, only thing we can do is when they're f- actually in the action of attacking you, yeah. then we can come and help. And then it's like, what? They get assault and they go to jail mm-hmm. for like a day or so, you know? It's like yeah. not a big deal. And then what happens in cases like this where. Like, I don't think Travis was aware of, like, what a stalker really was. He thought that there was just some girl who, like, really liked him. I'm sure that he never thought that it could lead to something that horrific. Well, no. But in another article, when the the friends were being interviewed and the one was like, yeah, I told him, like, you're going to – she's going to, like, kill you. And he would just say, like, she wouldn't. She wouldn't do that because you underestimate. Of course, you wouldn't think. Yeah. You don't think you're going to be the one to – that that's going to happen to yeah. like why would you think that plus to and especially him, up until up until this point you're it's been like it's been annoying but he's been able to manage it and she lives far away so and the worst thing is she's just kind of like a little bit creepy and like really clingy you know <laughs> yeah. but she like escalated that shit uh yeah i'd say it's a little bit more than escalation yeah she's <laughs> gross icky jody yeah jody so that's the story of jody arias and Travis. Well, thank you for sharing. Alexander. It is a strange, it's crazy really case. It's really sad. It's just Very really sad. sad. He like went through a lot in his childhood and was just trying to like get his life on track. And then this bitch comes into the picture. Another one mm-hmm. where it's like they just met. The, like mm-hmm. they just met. Happen and chan- happen yeah. stance and-, and he thought like, oh, she's like this cool girl. Mm-mm. Yeah. Uh-uh. Oh, Poor Travis. It's terrible. Well, and then another another thing said that that they think that she got really upset because she found out that Mimi wasn't interested in him romantically and he chose her like someone who has just like rejected him basically and was like, We can just uh-huh. be friends over Jody. Of course. Who's like so, throwing herself at him. Yeah. And she's like, I wanna marry you and this bitch won't even like get together with you and you're gonna mm-hmm. take her to Mexico. Do you even know what I would do? Well, we do now. <laughs> oh, yeah. On a lighter note. And now for the portion that we like to call Crimey Six, where we tell you silly stories about crime that make you forget the terrible things we just told you. So I got this one from... Uh, apparently policemag.com. Ooh. A Bath Township, Ohio man was arrested after he called 911 requesting a police dog to help him track down some heroin that was stolen from him, <laughs> police say. I mean, that's one use for a drug-sniffing dog. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. Okay, this one is from Cincinnati.com, another Ohio place, I guess. What's mm. up, Ohio? 
Um, they got some shit happening in Ohio. Yeah. Looking at you, Ohio. <laughs> What's going on there, guys? Do you know where your meth has been? Asked Warren County Prosecutor David Fornshell on Facebook on Monday. Stop reading now if you don't want to be grossed out, he warned. An inmate in Warren County is accused of conspiring with his wife to convey into the prison 12 balloons filled with methamphetamine. According to Fornshell, Casey McCary, 90... Sorry, 49... Oh my god, I was going to be like, what the... 95... Damn. <laughs> Swallowed four balloons filled Ooh. with meth after his wife, Candy McCary, 49, gave the hidden balloons to him during a day visit. Prison officials interrupted their activities before he could swallow the seventh remaining <gasps> the seven remaining balloons filled with meth. The prosecutor, after discovery, uh, Casey He was McCar- going to swallow 11 s- balloons of meth? Uh, yeah. I have so many questions. How did she sneak that past guards? How did he think he was going to discreetly swallow 11 (laughs) balloons? How big is your stomach? How big were these balloons? This feels so risky. I'm guessing it's not, you know, an inflated balloon. Well, obviously. (laughs) She's like a clown and comes in with balloons. She's like cramming it down his throat. Balloon animals. She's like, don't worry, I got the long-shaped ones this time. It's going to be a lot easier. We're just going to inflate it down in your stomach and just fill it up from here. With the, I got a funnel. <laughs> the guards will never suspect a thing. <laughs> After discovery, Casey McCrary was placed in a dry cell to await the digestion and passage oh. of the drug-filled balloons. Five days later, McCrary pla- passed the balloons and Five immediately days? began... And immediately began eating all the (gasps) evidence of the passing, poop, balloons, and drugs included. (laughs) After four more days, McCrary passed the four balloons a second time, at which point they were recovered by prison officials. Fornshell said McCrary was charged with illegal conveyance of drugs into a prison, aggravated possession of drugs, possession of criminal tools, and tampering with evidence. (laughs) So he pooped out the balloons and then swallowed them again? Yeah. (gasps) Don't do meth, kids. That's fucking gross. No drug is worth that. Uh Uh-uh. No. Like, what was the plan? He was just going to continuously, like, keep swallowing them? He was just going to be like, well, I I guess I didn't swallow any balloons. You got to let me go. Nothing out. (laughs) Nothing's coming out. Also, five days. Yeah, I, I guess, feel like you should uh, be having more regular bowel movements not every five days. <laughs> full of fiber. <laughs> Too much meth, I guess. Uh. Yeah, that'll stop you right up. Ugh. Well, I don't think you really eat, though, when you're doing meth. No, probably not. No. I eat, like, kind of shitty food. Well, we don't know. I just anyway. feel like you should poop more often than every five days, but that's just me. Eat I don't your know. Fiber, not I'm not your a doctor, so poops. I don't know. <laughs> uh. Oh. Yeah. Well. Well. Thanks for tuning in. Yeah. <laughs> this thanks was for quite listening. the week. And uh, check out our sponsor, Humblebee Herbal. Get yourself clean. Yeah, wash off. Get that poop mouth. Ew. <laughs> No, don't get the poop mouth. Get the poop mouth away.
Yeah. No, I'm saying wash. Yeah. Don't have a poop mouth. Yeah, you're right. Don't have a poop <laughs> mouth at all. <laughs> Look, if it's in the toilet, it's not wash worth it. Wash your balloons. Just let it go. It's not worth it. <laughs> wash your balloons. Okay. Uh, rate, okay. review, subscribe. Talk to you next time. Goodbye. Goodbye. You either get saggy calf heel or you get loppy toe flap. I don't want either of those. Is a hoe through the dog dow. Clink clang with the music maker. <laughs> what? You got to get the white tennis shoes and the Kirkland jeans.